Still feeling a little bit under the weather. Thanks, guys, for putting on an amazing show last week. Kind of feel like I'm not needed. Oh, you're needed. <laughs> nah, dude. Yeah, definitely needed. Thought I'd just throw that out there. Get a little <laughs> bit of, you know. Get a little bit of was love. That con- a little was that sympathy. convincing? <laughs> you could have you <laughs> tried to sell it a little bit better, Jesse. A little, little more? Uh, I'll work on that. The gang's all here. Nick, Justin, and Jesse. Uh, Say hi, guys. Hello. So, so yeah, last week um, it was a strange week for me. I I I was really I mean the sickest I can ever remember being. I mean physically sick. It was horrible. That was H- it really H one N one. That's what they told me. Hmm. And and did you get it by directly kissing the sheep, or did you kiss Ed after he kissed the sheep? You mean the pig, right? The swine flu? Yeah, but you, yo, he didn't listen to last week's episode, guys. I did. I had to listen to it. I edited it. Come on now. <laughs> we we started with the pig, out. Dan, but what, what we concluded and Nick pointed out was that it probably was a sheep because oh. it's Montana. Oh, oh, that was a, that was a, oh, I, okay. It, it's all, yeah. that was a joke. Oh, mm. kind of fell on deaf ears last week. Someone got it. <laughs> Somebody got it. Yeah, someone out there laughed. Thank you, you one listener. It all happened Thursday. Um, I went to work not feeling well. Came home early. By the time I got home, uh, 103.7. Yeah. Oh. And that's cooking. That's a that's a really serious it's time to go to the hospital temperature. You know. Oh yeah. And, and that's exactly what I did. Yep. You know, I, I, Tamiflu, what can I say? You know, if you, you know, you get it within, you get the Tamiflu in your system 12 hours uh, within onset, um, it does a fantastic job. I'm still kind of fighting with it a little bit. I, I mean, the, the majority, obviously, I know no temperature. I'm able to go to work. Um, but I, <laughs> it's like this, I still have this residual cough and, and um, some other little things that maybe we won't talk about. That happened on occasion, but you know, it's the way it goes, man. I uh, I dealt with that pretty much pretty much all week, wow. dude. Okay, but we Stop. might hear later in the show. We need to clarify something. You, it is just as bad to say things that happen that I probably shouldn't say. It's just as bad to do that as it is to actually say what it is, because then it lets the mind wander and. Boy, let me yeah. tell you, I have a really twisted mind. And yeah, so, I go straight to worst case. Yeah, I, exactly. I go straight to worst case. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. So well, just, 
Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm sorry that happens to you. Yes, I am so very sorry. <laughs> oh, jeez. I can only imagine how bad that must be. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> it's actually not that bad. It, uh, it'll pass. You know, we're kind of just working through the last little bits and kinks, but uh, we're getting there. Um, obviously, not a lot of flying for me this week. In fact, no fly. None. Oh. Nah. Um, Not even the sim? Uh, I did sim a little bit. I've been trying to hold to that New Year's resolution a couple nights a week. And I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good with it, actually. A couple nights a week. You know, I'm not... I'm trying to... It's not that I'm being antisocial, but I'm trying to stay away from the online simming. I mean, unless I feel like it. But because I really don't... You don't... You know, it's fun. And I enjoy it. But you don't really practice you know what i mean yeah i kind of i kind of got to the point where it was maybe once a week yeah you kind of pick pick a night and go online maybe one time a week so yeah took me about 30 seconds and i was done with it that's because you're an (laughs) anti-social idiot i am not (laughs) (laughs) you're an anti-social nerd that's what you are nerd yes anti-social no read a book So I did, um, I don't, did you guys make fun of me last week? I think I heard a little bit while I was editing about the, uh, the whole hexacopter thing. Oh, I never said uh, anything negative about that. Yeah. I don't think we did make fun of you. <laughs> does it count? I mean, I did get to fly that. Does that count? I'm not really counting it, but does it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Well, it nope. counts if I, that if you I got can't stick time, them. but it doesn't count on our... Oh, you know, shit. tracking our flight tally. Yeah. I'm way behind on that. Way behind on that. I learned a couple things this week. I did learn that um, DJI electronics suck. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of nonchalantly. How did you learn that, Dan? Motors. They just don't work. They work when they want to work, and they just stop working when they want to stop working. They're union. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no, I I just not a pleasant experience. Nothing happened, but it, you know it's a it's a hassle. It's a you know you, you buy a kit with the combo, right? It comes with all. You just expect that it's gonna last more than five flights before it stops working. No, uh, no, no. You well, shouldn't expect on. that. No. In all <laughs> fairness to DJI, five of the six motors worked beyond five <laughs> flights. That's a very good ratio. Yeah. You know, is that really a good ratio? Yeah. Did, I mean, so did isn't you it get, better than four four out of the six? That's <laughs> did you get all educated because uh, Dan has officially crossed over all the nerd jokes and all that have to go. They they don't have any backing from Dan anymore because he no, is they mean a nerd in training now. <laughs> and I would I can confirm that. Yes. Uh, we geeked out hard the other night. Oh, Justin and I were on Skype course. for two hours, I think, or an hour and 45 minutes going over uh, power system sizing and all the different considerations what and all the knobs that shit you can turn lead for flight and time. And this is all led into the conversation with the, oh, hands down, without question, they, from the king of nerds. <laughs> Entitled with the just ultimate king of nerd title that this is a message from Justin. He's like, uh, Dan's like, oh, Skype okay? Justin goes, sure. 
Jesse, feel free to join <laughs> if you want to MR nerd out. <laughs> so did you guys go yeah, like I do. MR nerd out? Did you? We yeah, were like we'd... talking MRs. Well, hold on a second. Now, hold on. <laughs> Jesse was in on this. He if was. If you recall, we had a fairly substantial three-way text message going on. I think I had like three texts befo- thrown in oh, there. Oh, come on. That's come because on. I talk a lot. And, yeah, I couldn't get and any you more couldn't in. get a word in. But the 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 fact still remains that you were actively engaged. Oh, Dan yeah. Dan started I'm, I'm asking questions. And then Jesse's like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what yeah. do you think about I this? Got- and I'm not going to lie, if I wasn't, if I got busy that evening and actually didn't see that text for about 45 minutes. I, I was would have gotten on if I would have seen What's that. What's going on yeah. here? I mean, Dude, seriously, I Nick. feel like the only... <laughs> Nick, just, here, take some, take some solace in this, Nick. Take some solace in the fact that there is crossover in this nerd out that we had. So I now have a better understanding of electrical systems for helicopters. Of what yes. all that shit means. Yeah, you know, he you, does. When you guys are talking about all these these different parameters with your motors, and I'm just kind of glazing over in the background going, man, I smell nitro. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm starting to understand <laughs> that stuff now. Well, that's... So, that part and is he very, did, very like, good. props to you, Dan. He put a lot of effort into understanding it, too. He's like, dude, I want to get this shit. I wanted to understand because, like, he, I mean, I wanted to be like, well, Justin's like, well, if you use this prop, it's going to start to burn your motor up. I'm like, how? how? How do you know that by looking at this? And now I get it. I mean, at a very basic level, but nonetheless, I'm learning it. And I think it's important now that I have an Elise Rush. See how I kind of brought that back to the helicopter world? Yeah. Well, it's just before it was <laughs> just yeah. gay and now it's an educated gay. <laughs> i i honestly i would like to say i'm a little disappointed in myself but i can't because i'm really kind of disappointed in you for you i i mean since since we're talking about it what are what are your plans with this thing to fly it i mean what give us justify this what's the motive here Uh, because i'm i'm 42 years old and i want to fly one that's all the justification yeah, that, I need. That, there is none. That didn't quite do for me. <laughs> there is none. I, you know what? I think it's because he realizes how much more nerdiness he can get in on with multi rotors as compared to pod and boom. Let me under. Let me. Here's one definite aspect of this whole MR thing that I really never even considered. In my mind, I thought that the that the multi rotor stuff was just easier. They're definitely easier to fly, but I was kind of just easier to build. Yeah, I was, and I just kind of translated that over. But those things get really, really, really complicated, and that's kind of intriguing to me. I don't know. Yeah, you embrace know? it. <laughs> that's fair. And they're boring. To, they are boring to fly. I mean, I got a few flights in with it, and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it's pretty much done everything it can do. But some of that stuff is really neat. I mean, it's um, to watch it fly by itself. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's not something that I think I want to do on a daily basis, but it's cool, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick, don't don't lose your nerdiness, man. Oh, I got my nerdiness. 
I just have it directed in the correct and appropriate direction. <laughs> more constructive. Yeah, it's more fa- constructive. Far more constructive. constructive. Don't worry. Don't worry. I With mean, vehicles of the variable pitch variety. That's right. This is the equivalent. Oh, they, have, they have those too in multi uh, I mean, That doesn't interest me at all. This is the crocheting of the RC world. Oh, oh dude, dude. That's harsh, man. Ah, man. That is harsh. Are you look sure how, Plankers? Look at how awesome pl- it hovers. I mean, you do realize. It's not that. about how awesome it hovers. It's about the fact that when you stand there and watch it hover, and you look at all the stupid looks on the people's faces around you, you can take comfort and pride in knowing that you understand what makes it hover that awesome. And they don't. And you can freak the shit out of them when you <laughs> put it in GPS hold and put your radio down and go get a coffee. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. it's all about party tricks. Party tricks. Hands off hovering. I did that. I did the return to home at the field and I put the radio down and everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? That was fun. That's well, fun. Congratulations. It hovers for you. We just need to go back to basics here and understand what's really going on. <laughs> you are, you are going back to hovering and are intrigued by something that hovers for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is bottom level stuff here. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and it's that's awesome to make it hover better. <laughs> yeah, I got your back, Dan. I yeah. can totally, put a, I can totally. Uh, now Jesse's considering selling hover, his multi-rotor. mine hovers better. As, yeah, <laughs> mine hovers better than yeah. yours hovers. <laughs> Jesse, can you sense Nick's excitement? I I'm feeling yeah. it from all the way over here. I'm feeling that vibe. So moving on to helicopters, before we find out what you guys have been doing, what I've been up to the last couple of weeks, I, I took a bit of a risk. And you guys know about this, but I don't think I've talked about it on the show. I think you guys mentioned it last week, though, actually. I decided to let Ed build my rush by himself. And I think he's learned a lot. At I don't know if it'll fly. At the of the adequacy nice. of the build? <laughs> you know, I've been going up. Occasionally, and just checking he did, on. He the didn't progress. answer that. <laughs> yeah, he went right past it. Didn't <laughs> he, he? Avoided the question. <laughs> well, that's what I was addressing. I've been. I go up and I check the what he's been doing, and you know he's been doing it in pretty small steps, and um, I've only found a few things. I will disassemble it and reassemble it when I go to fly it myself. No, I don't know if I'll do that. He's done a pretty good job. He's uh, he's doing all right. He's learned a lot. So. That that really is the only way to learn is hands on build it. Yeah, especially and when it's not yours. <laughs> but he's he's uh like I learned you actually do have to put Loctite in the tail. And I learned that but, at Nick's expense. Yeah, on a heli that wasn't yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to learn those kind of mistakes, isn't it? So is the rush done, Dan? Uh it, it, no, well, it's it's assembled, but I'm waiting on some battery packs. And I'm having a bit of an issue with the Bluetooth module on the icon. It doesn't seem to function properly, and I'm too bullheaded to hook it up to a computer. My so. tablet, so awesome. You, you don't want to work? Fine, I won't build it. <laughs> yeah. See how you like that? Yeah, see how you like that. <laughs> I uh, actually think there's. It's, I I don't I don't know what it is. I I I've actually ordered another receiver. Not that 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 receiver wasn't mine anyway. It was Ed's. It came with his 14 SG. Um. 
So I think what, what it boils down to was I was missing something in where I was telling the radio which protocol to use. So I just, I, to be honest with you, I ran out of time when I was messing with it, and I just said, well, I'll come back to this later. So <clears throat> when I get the batteries in and um, get that, get that uh, they should be by next week, should be ready to fly. Nice. Nice. Sweet. We'll go from there. And uh, other than that, Ed's, uh, I heard you guys ask uh, Ed, Ed uh, was considering a Synergy Nitro. Uh, from last I gathered, he has decided against that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. I think he wants a compass. Really? The uh, there we go. Seven hundred compass. What is it? What's that one called? I'm I'm really into compass. What do they call that one? Oh, the the seven. That would be the seven. Like it's a seven hundred class heli, so they put the seven <laughs> first, and then it runs a high voltage system. So they put the HV. Seven HV. So they is call that, that, what they the, call that the, one? Yeah, the seven HV. There you go. You got it. Yeah, he's thinking about that one. I told him if he gets that one, I'm not going to help him with it at all. In fact, I'll probably crash it for him right away. I'll not put a uh, screw in the servo horn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pay attention when I'm not around. I heard you guys making fun of that, so. Uh, other than that, guys, I've just been dealing with this uh, this shitty flu that's going around. And uh, I guess it's pretty. it's really going around in Montana. It's a lot of you know, the other four guys here in Montana. I've been dealing with it as well. I am breathing. What's going on in there? <laughs> you guys yeah. Are, yeah, passing it around. <laughs> passing it around. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's been kind of a shitty couple of weeks just trying to get through it. I am going flying tomorrow, mid-40s, mid-40s, and sunny, and zero nice, wind dude. tomorrow. Sweet. That's, that's, that's the way to do it. For this time I'm going to go yeah, get yeah. me some sweet-ass multi-rotor action tomorrow. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go watch it hover and land don't, by don't itself for hours. Don't stress yourself out. Uh, I'll be flying the Goblin tomorrow and fixing, hopefully fixing the uh, Nitro, the N7. N- N7. Don't have an N7. Have an Align 700 <laughs> How's that sound? I'll be fixing <laughs> that one. I'm still, I'm still a little out of it. You got to cut me some slack. I'm still dealing with this nastiness but hopefully you know the starter shaft spun a couple weeks ago and i haven't uh haven't had a chance to get back to, to fixing that mm. so hopefully i'll get that going and be flying some nitro so that's what i've been up to who wants to go next i'll go nick i've done so much friggin stuff this week <laughs> it's just been yeah. one of the oh man i've been burning that candle i mean burning it it has almost got to be time for a new it's, candle. Uh, the candle, uh, there's not much <laughs> left. Luckily, it's the weekend. Yeah, so I was hitting the trailer hard, putting up a lot of finishing touches on it, pegboard up. I did get a picture out. I'll take some more pictures soon. I'd like to do a couple little last little things for. I really just do full, full pictures. But I threw a couple up so people could see it. Um, just some more, some more lighting in there. And yeah, getting it stocked. I'm, man, I'm at the point now. I hate to admit it, but I'm working, like I'm building out there more than I am in the house. <laughs> in the in the trailer, yeah, it's nice. It's so stocked and organized and like roomy that it's it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I've I've really <laughs> enjoyed it. 
If my trailer were clean, I'd be working out there as well. But you've seen my trailer. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. He says with that, <laughs> yes, with that disappointed sound. Yes, I have. Um, yes, I have. No, it's great. So I got, um, like I mentioned last week, I got all the new Opto 130s, um, uh, the ESCs from Scorpion. So I've been getting those put on. I just decided to, you know, kind of winter time. Now's the time to do it. So I went back and pretty much rewired all the helis. I did switch over solely on all of my helicopters to receiver packs for this year and got the 130s wired in, new connectors, and I switched everything over to the Scorpion bullets on the motors, motor and ESCs. So that was a lot of soldering, a lot of wiring, a lot of making the little, you know, I go EC3 and then split it out into two servo wires for my power distribution on the receiver side. And it's just tremendous amounts of soldering. But it looks good. I'm very happy with it. Um, I've got all of the regular helis done, my existing fleet. And I am, I don't know, I'd say quarter of the way through the Raptor E700 build. Which... Only a quarter? Dude. <laughs> Only a quarter, he says. Only a quarter. <laughs> and I, have, I figured it out today, and I am at 22 hours of sleep for the entire week. Hmm. Only mm-hmm. a quarter? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, it was really tempting just to pull it out of the box and start building, but then I had kind of gotten a little bit overzealous and... You know, when all those ESC shows up, it was like, rip this off, rip this off. So then I quickly realized, oh, my gosh, I don't have a single flying helicopter. Like, just in the blink of an eye. So then I kind (laughs) of went, well, that was really (laughs) dumb. Okay, well, now we know what we have to do. So I went back and and got all the existing ones finished first. Uh, You know, it is a very interesting heli. It is... Just super lightweight. I mean, I almost am going to call it dainty. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's Everything's very small. The gearing, like, I actually, I understand why they have had uh, gearing issues as far as, like, the torque tube drive gears. They are, it's just so lightweight. Everything is small and lightweight. All the webbing in the gears is very small and lightweight. It just doesn't leave a lot of room for, like, manufacturing error. Uh, it's, a, it's a great design. I really enjoy the design of the heli. I enjoy the layout of it. I don't think that it's going to be, like, the best crasher, if that makes sense. I, I see some pretty spectacular crashes in my, in my future. And, like, we had that one lister said, I'm going to pile one in to the point of almost <laughs> unrecognition. Uh-huh. It will be It's going to be the E700, yeah. huh? Oh, yeah, no question. Oh. Yeah, but, you know, because I got it in semi-crashed form and have been putting it back together, I kind of got a clue as to what's going to be breaking. And it's not going to be mm. few parts. You know, the other side of that is I'm also seeing the pricing and with that crash kit that they got, and then the prices on gears, it's very inexpensive to crash. But I'm just kind of wondering if it'll be offset by more parts. Uh, so we'll see. Hmm. We'll see. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get it up and going. No, definitely. So hope, what are you going to run it on for blades? I'm curious because you're saying it's smaller and lighter. Well, so are you going to try to match your disc loading number that you like? Yeah, I think or I am. Are you gonna... I think I am, but you know, we'll see. I have a set. Uh, I had a set of Compass 700 set aside for it, but I kind of have to refly, you know, because I, I just swapped all those ESCs out. It kind of changed my weight on everything. Now, the good part is I got everything very, very dialed in almost to the point where it's even closer. Like, I weighed the Blade 700X, and that's at 11.94 pounds. So I'm shooting for that exact 12-pound mark. I mean, right on the money. And uh, Mm -hmm. the DFC, um, I think, was a little under, and and I did add just a touch bit of weight going from the Castle 120 to the Scorpion 130, so that'll fall right at at the 12-pound mark now. The 700X was a little heavy with the Castle 160 on it, so that dropped right down there. I did swap, you know, that motor went in the swap, so I got the 4526, which I just had to get another one. I love that motor. Oh, I love that motor. I put that in the 700EX, so that should drop the weight down there and get it right at, try and get it right at that 12-pound mark too. So they're all sitting right at 12. So we'll just kind of see. I mean, I might actually... Rather than change, mess around with blades, I I might just mess around with pack weight on the Raptor. Maybe run a little bit heavier pack. We'll just have to to see. But I'm going to try it on some 115 tails and the Compass 700s at first. And if not, I'll swap those. Uh, I've got a set of uh, version 2 Radix fly barless blades that are on the EX right now. I could swap those off of there. Try those. Nice. And then I had my generator nice. die. So I got out to the field. What was that last Sunday? Yeah, for kind of the maiden run on the trailer. Found out all of the things that need to be tied down that weren't tied down when I got there. <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> um, and then a, my generator took a dump. Started running oh. horrible and missing and, and went through like half a gallon of fuel or uh, like half a tank of fuel in about an hour. <laughs> oh, man. But I didn't care. I was like, no, just keep charging to the point. You are not going to screw Yeah, you me. are not going <laughs> to. Um, so I did get that tore apart. Just some, you know, little bit of corrosion junk on the needle and seat and the carburetor on there. Got that brushed back up. Changed oil on it. Did my generator maintenance for the for the winter. Um, so that's ready to go. And then today in the mail, uh, thank you, uh, Blade Helicopters and Horizon Hobby. I did have the whole brushless setup show up for the Nano. So rather nice. than fly that busticated, <laughs> uh, and I, I use my air quotes, gift from Justin, the... <laughs> Wait, I thought that was no. ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It was flying, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was oh, that was flying. It was perfectly fine last time I did it. Last time it I was drove not it a into, gift. The, into the wall, it was perfect. It was not a gift. It, it was, may have been sold under the guise of a gift, but <laughs> that was that was me. I mean, you want me to clean up my garage, dude. That was one step. Yeah. Was so, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, thank you, Horizon. They just slapped a new one in the box because, I mean, it it really is the best way to go. So I am going to, just to freshen up kind of my mind, my brain, my hand-eye coordination to the micro world, Nick is actually going to start pounding out some micro flights. Um, I'm going to try and get a couple dozen on the stock one, then I'm going to slap that brushless upgrade in there and compare that. And then as per a request from some listeners... What I think I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take that same exact setup and then swap out the tail for the MCPX tail and and then fly it like that. So with only blade components, I'm going to see if I can figure out the combination that flies like the absolute best. And then I might even just just to continue with it, uh, keep going. You know, and see if there's any other aftermarket stuff that makes a huge difference. So just kind of go through steps. But thank you, Horizon, again, and Blade Helicopters for uh, for getting that to us. And, uh, yeah, we'll be working on the review stat. That's nice. I, I flew a 150. Did you? Oh, the Align? Nice. What did you think? And? Well, it wasn't mine, so I didn't go too crazy with it. But I was pretty impressed with it. As far as a micro, um, tail was held amazingly well. And generally, that's the first issue I always have with micros. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. It's a whippy, snappy, quick little heli, though. You know, it. Uh, I, I don't know what his settings were. I have no idea. Um, I probably would have tuned it down a little bit, make it a little more reasonable. But um, when I was watching him fly it, inverted punch-outs, you know, funnels... It just, the tail never was an issue. Never. It did never once blow out. Nice. Well, so I flew, I did fly it for just a few minutes. I didn't want to go too crazy with it because it's not mine. So I just kind of hovered it around, floated around in a little bit here and there. Uh, and so are you going to get one? I, yeah. You know, that's the plan. Um, I, I think I am. I, I just don't know. Anyway. Cool. I just thought I'd mention that I did get a chance to fly one. Well, good. Who's next? I will go. Oh, shit. Let me go get some coffee and some popcorn. Yep, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, I don't have a ton to say. You guys talked way longer than I will because I did not get any flying in. No fly. Yet. The weather does look good for this weekend, so I think I'm going to try to get out on Sunday. But as you guys know from last week, After my experience with the Rave Nitro, I had quite a bit of rebuilding to do. So after we recorded, I went through it with a fine-tooth comb and got the full comprehensive list of parts, which came to a grand total of $190 without blades to give you a perspective for how bad the crash actually was. Now, what's interesting is I actually got a couple of listeners... That said, hey, we've had issues with the boom supports, too. One listener went as far as to say that he just thinks that they're crappy quality. They're just they don't they don't stand up to stuff the way that other brands do and had Hmm. suggested, hey, maybe you should take a look at getting like some aftermarket boom supports like the KDEs or, you know, from another brand or something like that. So I'll look into it, but I'm hoping this set of boom supports does not do what happened the first time around. Uh, it it completely destroyed the head. 
I mean, literally, I sent a picture to to Nick and Jesse, I think, of the spindle, and it looked like an mm-hmm. uh, an elbow macaroni. <laughs> Dude, I I have to. My hat is off to you. I've never ever seen someone wrap boom supports around a head like that. <laughs> I've never even yeah, seen and that. To the period. P- they usually just break off, but you're those actually wrapped all the way around the head. Did you did you did you put a picture did. of that on Facebook? Or I didn't. I will if yeah, you, you want. Should. I will yeah, yeah. put a picture up there. That's an yeah, impressive it, picture. It was impressive. I agree. It was really impressive. And it, it not only wrapped around the head, but on its way up to the head, it wrapped around the airframe <laughs> under the boom and chopped the boom <laughs> off at the boom. It looked lock. like eight foot long boom supports with all this uh, wrapping. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Anyway, on that, I placed my order for my parts. They just came in today, so I've got a little bit of wrenching to do to get that guy back up to speed and also putting all the parts back into the Goblin 700 from the whole 770 fiasco. Uh, But that's going to get done tonight after we're done recording and probably tomorrow, Saturday, which means I will be able to get out on Sunday and hopefully get some good flying in. Because uh, I'm really looking forward to burning more nitro, and it looks like it's going to be in the kind of like your weather, Dan. 40s, clear, sunny, yeah. just a light breeze. So, you know, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing this week. It's been a boring week. I haven't even had a chance to sim. I haven't even messed with the 770 in any way, shape, or form. After it flew great last weekend, I kind of took a sigh of relief. And started getting a little bit more sleep during the night (laughs) instead of staying up every night fussing with different theories as to how to fix it. That's all I got. See? Uh Yeah. If you you just in standard time my ass. You know that you know you get the pictures of the dogs with their heads cooked kind of cooked off to the side. That's if you could see me. That's that's what I'm doing right now. Like what? Yeah. Blowing your mind, isn't it? I figured eh, I got I got to throw a a twist in there ever so often. Don't worry. Next week I'll have something to say. (laughs) Excellent. Another crash. No, dude. No, not another. He's flying. (laughs) So Jesse, tell us about your multi rotor goodness this week. Oh man, I'm not going to talk about that. that. I'm feeling guilty now. I'm like, you should. I, I'm not. Ta- I don't even know if I admit. He doesn't want to disappoint Nick. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do I mean, it. I feel like there's this. We just have to uphold this standard. I mean, this is a heli podcast. We can't talk. I about always that. will. So you and guys gonna... can totally switch over to the other side and start wearing <laughs> skirts and heels and the whole deal, and I'll still be here. Oh man, see, you're just you're. You're putting us in the wrong. No game. shame in my game. This is this is a purpose-driven <laughs> machine. Dan, Dan's rocking. Dan's He's ready like, to rock the heels, man. You haven't He's seen this ass picks, in a set of mirror picks. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I just I yeah. just had a conference yeah, I want to call with Maeve on from our group chat. Oh yeah, you'll see. Oh, you'll see it, Othello, in May. No, I I actually got in some heli flying two blades. Collective pitch helicopter flying this last week. Huh. Um, not a ton. The weather has been less than great around here. Um, it's actually been really, really foggy the last, since probably last Friday, since we recorded last week. Um, kind of that weather where the fog is extremely, extremely low. I go to check the weather and it says the cloud coverage is sitting at like 300 feet. 
you know, just very low. The fog is packed in and it's been like 26, 25 degrees out. So very cold, almost to the, I, I saw a couple posts on Facebook um, where some guys in the Tri-Cities actually had ice on their blades by the end of the flight. Wow. Um, just that much moisture in the air. But I did get out last Saturday, went out for uh, half the day or so, and got in a bunch of flights all across, you know, all brought all my helis out there. So that was great. Kind of like Nick had a little bit of generator trouble. It What it was was the, the oil. So the, the Honda generator, I have the Honda EU2000i generator. And it actually kind of senses the oil level in there. And my oil must have been getting a little low because I noticed about the time when it's time to change the oil, it'll start tripping the the oil alert light if the generator is not sitting perfectly level. So I had to spend a little bit of time right when I got to the field to kind of find some rocks and prop that <laughs> thing up and get it just level. So <laughs> That's what Nick likes to so hear. That, oh, yeah. yeah. You're so a mechanic's oh, best friend. Come on. <laughs> that's you how know, i know when so, to change but, my oil when the oil light comes on yeah no I, i've been, i keep track of hours i keep track of hours i'm i'm literally only at like 120 130 hours how many hours have i been they say every hundred rocks. Uh, that was only about six so we should we should be at 24 no i i came i came right home and changed the oil out and have ran it since we're all good to go i just i <laughs> It's, it was right when I got out to the field, so it's like I'm not turning around and going Neglecting home. I only the got generator. Like, oh my! I only got I only had three packs charged up, so it's like I'm not. I drove all the way out. Here. No, I'm, not I'm going on home. your this side, dude. I would blow my generator up rather than drive home and yeah. fix it and come back. <laughs> yeah, this thing's running right now, and I I used to keep a quart of oil in my truck box, but I I had that one time tip over and soak everything in that box that diamond plate box i have in oil and since then i don't i don't keep a quart of oil in there anymore. you know they do have reusable lids those oil cans they do well not on the one that's built <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 and then so so my wrenching for the week when i was out at the field on saturday um i, I had to do a little bit of wrenching this last week um you know the on the on the 7hv nonetheless that's so that what compass, I had to right? Do, that's that compass, Ellie? Yeah, that, that's the compass. Yeah, it, re, it did require some wrenching. What I had to do was I put this little carbon fiber stiffener in between the boom braces, and the zip ties finally broke on me. So, you know, I had to take the time <laughs> oh and God, put a couple dude. more zip ties. Yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> you should just sell that piece a, of shit, you know, dude. Really? Seriously? Yeah, so the, the zip tie, I finally wore the zip ties out on that carbon fiber stiffener. So I, I had to put a couple more zip ties in there, do a little wrenching on the 7HV. Um, no, nothing, nothing too huge. No, no crashes. Nothing to report. Um, all the, all the helis are actually flying extremely, extremely well right now. But I was talking to, let's see, I was talking to Nick this past week, and I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way, but I've noticed that with this weather, you know how it's kind of maybe you'll get out to the field one day a weekend, or maybe not even one day a weekend, maybe every other weekend. I'm finding it really, really hard to actually dig in and learn some new moves. I've been noticing that I go out to the field and and this is with some simming during the week. It's not like I'm just flying on the weekends and then not touching the sticks for a whole week and then going back out there and expecting to be better than I was the previous weekend. But it kind of seems like I get out there every weekend and it's just a fight just to get back to the level I was flying at the previous weekend. And I'm not going to lie, it's getting it's definitely getting kind of old. The winter weather, I'm ready for the summer to be here 
Um, I, I just don't know if, I mean, is it is it just more sim time? Are you guys noticing anything? Now similar? Build a heli trailer, I, and you'll forget all about it. Build it. <laughs> I could not agree less. <laughs> this is where I, I agree less. This is where I actually learn because no one else is stupid enough to go out to the field in freezing fog when it's in the 30s. So I have the entire field to myself, and I can just fly. Gotcha. And not, that's... Not, I mean, I, I guess I always have me. the entire field to myself, but... Okay, well, you're I'm spoiled. Just, I, well, <laughs> I, I agree yes with you, and no, because it does get extremely boring by yourself. Yes. It's actually... It's, it's a lot of fun when I come home from my breaks and get a chance to actually fly with people. Yeah, I don't mind um, flying with people, but I'm I don't think it's boring to fly on my own. I got a whole system set up. Well, that's mainly Justin because people don't really like you. Well, you know what? If that's <laughs> what it has to be so that I can get some stick time in, I'm willing to accept that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually agree with Jesse on this one. I we fly by my I fly by myself so often that uh in this time of year it's old. Yeah, in this in the winter time too, I you know, of course this Winter is kind of a different for me anyway, as far as the progression goes. It just didn't mm-hmm. happen for for obvious reasons. I know Nick's got my back on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So and then because there was Nick has the same problem that I do, which is when there are other people around, he likes to talk. Oh. And people like to talk to him. And then what happens, Nick? Yeah. Oh, it just cuts down on my flying time. But yeah, I don't know. It I, it doesn't. If it was every day, it would really bother me. But you know, I I sit back and at the end of the day, I go, oh man, I really wish I could have got some more flights in. But then I'm always the first one to volunteer the help, and it's you know, yeah. Until I figure out how to win the lottery, yep. that's just going to be the game that's played, and that's what I signed up for. So I'm okay with it. Yep. Exactly. So there was one other thing this last week that that was pretty cool for me. So I didn't get on Monday. Um, it was a holiday, so I did not have class and I didn't get a chance to go out to my normal flying field. I ended up having a so that RC car uh, club that I'm in where we completely design and manufacture an RC car every year. I ended up having a meeting for that on Monday. So I said, what the heck? I'm going to I'm going to bring the warp to the meeting, grab the transmitter, charge up all the batteries first and I'm going to bring the warp in there and, you know, maybe if, if I get a chance around lunch, sneak out, there's a, there's this huge field really close to the club room and maybe go bust out a couple flights in there. So everyone was super intrigued. They've all seen my YouTube videos and, and whatnot, but no one's ever seen any of my actual helis or seen me fly in person. Um, so obviously they were super stoked to come out and watch me fly. So I did get the chance to do three or four flights out there, um, just kind of you know, at a really small field was very limited on what I could do, but it was just really cool. Kind of, kind of took me back to as soon as I took off that heli and went into some fast maneuvers, just hearing everyone behind me going, Oh my goodness. You know, no one had any idea what these machines are. They kind of see this heli sitting in there on the table and it, you know, it's only a, a 450. It's not a very big machine. Um, and just seeing what it could do. And how quick and how quick those four fifties are, everyone just was everyone was amazed in the club. So that that was a great experience. And uh lots of guys going, 
you're gonna have to you're gonna have to shoot me a text the next time you go out. I want to see those bigger ones fly. I want to see the nitro fly. Is what a lot of guys say. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I will. I'll probably wait till it gets a little warmer. I don't want to don't want to make them huddle around the the heater out there. But hopefully, we'll see. It'd, it'd be cool to get a couple guys interested in it. I think that pretty much sums up my heli week. <sighs> I've been sitting here wondering. I, I know Nick and I talked about this earlier in the week, and um, I I did I didn't mention it earlier but i think i'm going to uh briefly go over it because a lot of guys emails listeners have been asking we mentioned that i was having problems with my uh, one stick mod that i had done on my 14 sg mm-hmm. uh, wasn't centering i got that fixed um, nice i want to just you know the, here's the deal i had it done had it modded you know and i chose it was my choice to not let the person who did the mod fix it. I just wasn't real pleased with the interactions I had with them. So that was my choice. I chose to do that. Uh, the simple matter of the fact was there was a mistake made in the building process, and I took it to the least likely of people that you would think uh, to take it to. Ed. I just happened to know a guy. In town. Ed. <laughs> Ed. <laughs> Sorry. People... <laughs> He pulled out a router and fixed it. <laughs> oh. uh, no, I um, I took it to a guy who fixes uh, guitars and amplifiers. Nice. You know, they're they're kind of used to dealing with uh, small electrical components. and. Now and, that's uh, cool. Uh, yeah. He was able to, to dig into it, found some cold solder joints and a few other little things, and now it centers. It's back to... Um, it's back to where it should be. Dude, and it's and awesome. No Every time I hit throttle hold, it plays Led Zeppelin now. <laughs> <laughs> Stairway to heaven, man. Stairway to heaven. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you guys who had, who I, who did the mod because it was my choice. Uh, if you, if you're absolutely interested, I know I've mentioned it in the past. I'm just not going to mention it again. <laughs> so, because there's so many options. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, <there's... laughs> yeah, I found that out too. I found that out too. There's not a lot of people doing that mod. Nonetheless, um, nonetheless, it's working. Nonetheless, it's working. It's fixed. Uh, a guy did it for me uh, as a favor. I've known him for a long time. Didn't have to pay to get it fixed. Um. So I'm happy about that. We're kind of back to where we were and um, don't have to worry about that expensive 14SG being a paperweight for the time being. And uh, here we are. So, cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, anything uh, anything else exciting? D- dude, first of all, uh, before we move into the news, that trailer, you did a fantastic job on that trailer. Thank you. It looks amazing. I'm going to be dropping mine off at your doorstep. So you can do mine as With well. With a check. No. With a check. <laughs> I figured that you'll just do it out of the kindness of your I'll heart. I'll do all the labor out of the kindness of my heart, but <laughs> this ain't freaking Lowe's, dude. <laughs> I want that decal on my trailer. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I want that decal on my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm just... I'm, I'm beyond... 
happy with it. I I absolutely love it. I just freaking love it. I can't wait to get the rest of it finished, but I just I got to take a break. It's it's completely functional now, but I got I want to get the heater in there. That's next. Just in time for spring. Yeah, just in time for spring. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think maybe we should do some news. Do we have any news? I think we do. All right. Justin, do you want to take us into the news, or do you do you, do you want me to get it right? This time? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I've spent a lot of money in this hobby, and I'll tell you what. When you find a brand that consistently provides performance at an affordable price, you stick with it. And when it comes to batteries, Gen's Ace is my go-to. So head on over to www.hobbyparts.com and check out their selection. They've got everything you need to get any size electric heli in the air. And if you enter RCHN10 at checkout, you'll get a special 10% off discount just for our listeners. Remember, that's www.hobbyparts.com. Give you one shot. Take us into Okay, here we go. <clears throat> this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Yeah. What do you got, Nick? Nice. Very nice. Alrighty, so we have some Align has put out some T-Rex 150 upgrades already. They've got a new swash and a they call it the 150 performance booster. Uh, it looks like a stiffer mainframe, new swash. <laughs> you know, we talked about a while back. They have the um, kind of almost like a little aluminum tail box to hold the motor. So they're, you know, in typical line fashion, it comes out, and then they come out with a whole bunch of upgraded parts that it probably needed originally. But it's well, and it sounds like it's a it's a buy one get one for free. They're starting to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you buy this this swash plate, you get a mainframe for yeah, free. Yeah, so it's it's probably because if you ran the stock fr- swash tear plate, apart the frame. you probably already crashed it to the point where you've destroyed the stock frame. <laughs> you need the frame. <laughs> or it'll stiffen, stiffen up the swash so much, it'll rip apart the frame on the next flight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Eh, oh well. At least they're doing something. They're not sitting still with with it, which is uh which is which is good. Yeah, I mean at least it's active support that for is the correct. model. Absolutely. It's always uh, good to see. I do have uh before you move on, I do have one little uh mod that was brought to my attention by Chris Lund for that for you one fifty owners out there. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um what a lot of people are doing is that wire that runs to the motor, to the tail motor, they are cutting that wire and putting micro-deans in, in it. Because apparently that motor's got enough mass that in a crash it's been ripping those wires out of the motor. Oh. Oh. So a lot of guys are just using a micro-deans oh, so save you. As, a, as a breakaway. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. Yeah, that could save some money that there. Old. That would get real old. <laughs> Went through another motor. <laughs> All right, so KDE's got out kind of a bunch of new stuff beginning of 2014. They've got a, a great thrusted bearing block main shaft 
kind of bearing support setup for the Goblin 630, 700, and 770 series. Another uh, just beautiful-looking piece of hardware. I mean, every, wow. Everything it puts out looks great, but this is sweet. <laughs> Did um, it again. You know, there, it's stiffening the whole thing up, adding extra support for the main shaft. Uh, just, it's awesome. I mean, I dig it. Anytime you're... I really like thrusted main bearings. I like that idea. Um, so for the guys that are really hammering, um, hammering on their goblins, this would be right down your line. Um, they also did a well. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was going to say what I like most about it is that the thrusted main bearings are a combination thrusted radial that is maintenance free because it's mm-hmm. sealed. Yeah. So you don't have to Not work something you're going to be tearing apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, now you can go, okay, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> uh, they've also got a, a little bit of an update for the SXT main rotor head. They're now including um, their own uh, metal balls in there, and it gets the delts on the head dead on. It was off just a hair before, not really enough to affect anything, but, you know, like KDE does, people... Bring it up. They say something. They listen, and they got that fixed and updated. And um, they've also got out a, a kind of a frame stiffener slash motor mount. It's a new motor mount with a set of frame stiffeners to go around the motor mount um, that they are actually building for Ralph at uh, Flybarless Rotors for the Synergy. Uh, let's see, E5, and I think I'm not a hundred percent, but I think there's a set for the E7 as well. E5 for sure. Um, but yeah, KDE just really cranking out a bunch of cool new stuff for 2014. Oh, let's see what else we got on. The th- ah, no, no, no. You're not done with the KDE stuff, man. What? I'm not going to let you not bring up the fact that KDE is going to start putting out uh, multi Okay, numbers. well, um, <laughs> here's the deal. You just stole my thunder. We had a plan. Those <laughs> yeah. of us who showed up on we time to plan. record a podcast... Well, if you would have filled me in on that no. plan, <laughs> I would far rather let you stumble into sticking your foot in your mouth. That's way more entertainment because that is what we are here to do at the end of the day is entertain. And if it is entertaining to let Dan slip and fall under the bus, that is exactly what yeah. I'm going to do. That's just a sacrifice. I'm going to lay down the little that. yellow signs that say slippery floor after you fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we will. <laughs> you may continue, yeah. Ben. How's that? We will get back to your multi homo like news that. in a very short minute. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, uh, so Contronic um, is uh, kind of out of nowhere released. Uh, a big announcement for 2014. They've got a bunch of new stuff coming, which I had kind of wondered because they've been pretty dormant and pretty quiet. But so we've got uh, the Jive Pro um, in an ADHV in the 120 version coming out. These are, they have a high voltage BEC in them, which is really, really cool. The price difference, uh, what, is that pounds? Or euros. That's euros. So 20 euros more on the ADHV, and the 120 will be exactly the same. Now, what is... Justin, do you know what are those little blue wires coming out of there? Because I'm not seeing 
The blue wires, I'm not sure of. I, I. That looks like the location where you would put the little jumper to program it. Yeah, you know what? Well, is what what it was yeah, on the you're heli correct. jive. That That's is where the that spot. what that was. But who knows what they're using? Yeah, I don't. For on I'm this. not sure what they would be using it for. Huh. Well, I know that was kind of a big bummer. You know, a lot of people have have just loved the performance of of the jive, but not being able to run high voltage servos definitely sucked. They've also updated the governor algorithm, which is very intriguing to me. That's probably the the most intriguing thing for me. They've had that. Yeah. I hope they didn't break the special sauce, dude. Have they ever put out one that sucked? <laughs> no, but, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I know, but it, it, it's kind of. They got to set felt, a new standard. Yeah. It's, it was them I that really set the standard. I really feel like they do need to because they're, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. A lot of the external stuff, it's no joke now. Like, it really is not. It's far more tunable, and the holding power is, is it's getting right there. So they were, I don't think they were necessarily got knocked out of the lead, but with the price difference, you know, between buying like a Castle or yeah. a Scorpion and throwing it on an Icon or a V-Bar Gov for the performance that you're getting, there's a very, very large price difference there. And now that the governor performance has narrowed up a lot, they needed to do something to really jump back out in front, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. Anyway, check those out. Uh, Let's see. Mikado USA is now up live. Website's up and going. You can get all your Mikado stuff there. And ha! That's all I'm going to say. Ha! What else are they selling? (laughs) Hey, what do you know? Batteries, radios, speed controllers. I knew it. Dude, I freaking knew it. It, There has been so many rumors that it's like, dude, it's ready, Heli rebranded. That's what I think. You know, I would agree. It it does have an aroma of that. But, Justin, what did you notice that would suggest otherwise? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, there are interesting quirks about some of the language that they use, which, I don't know, maybe it's a German-to-English translation. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I don't, I don't like that they don't have a period after the A in USA, though. <laughs> I'm going to be well, honest. Well, a lot of the translations <laughs> just, are very just don't like- jinglish. Yeah. Jinglish? I've not heard that Yeah, before. that's German-English. Mikado, okay. all right. Compass, all those guys are really good at it. Jinglish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also, J- Justin brought this up to me, or we had a listener pointed out, I had no idea that you could actually buy the Protos. MSH. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Direct.com has it, like, to purchase. And... and it's not a unicorn. Well, I mean, I could make a website and... Well, who, who knows if they're going <laughs> to ship yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that's if we're calling the Avance unicorns, at least this one has a price tag with a buy now button that next to it. very... That's very, one step closer. True. But, I mean, dude. So, the Protos Max, 700 
So did the epic, by the way. Yeah, yeah a listener Ooh. by the name of Yuri on our forums pointed this out to us. It's thirteen hundred bucks with, uh, but that does come with a brain. Yeah, with an icon, dude. That's not a bad price. It's over a grand. Yeah, an icon's two hundred bucks, two twenty-five. Yeah, okay, so it's an eleven hundred dollar airframe, and it's an eight hundred capable. Look at all the other 800s. Can you find one that's less than 1,000? I mean, dude, look at that thing. It's got to weigh like three pounds with batteries. And an 800 form, <laughs> I mean, it would be great for like... No, dude, look at that. Look at the dinner plate main <laughs> gear. Yeah, That weighs that. like six pounds I know, but alone. it accommodates for like 30% of the lift when you put it into the wind. So <laughs> this thing's... <laughs> it's going to make a great slope soarer. It says it's expected to be released. Expected release is January 10th of 2014, huh? Um, well. You missed it. I guess that means they didn't hit so their mark. So you can't buy it. Yeah. It's a we'll see. <laughs> Are there any listeners out there that have seen one in person or currently own or know someone that owns one? Please get in contact. Other with than us. Tarek and, and yeah, Lucas. not Tarek. Other than and, and Lucas, you guys don't, don't count. count. No. So that okay, Justin, would you p- please enlighten yes. Dan because I know that him <laughs> and Jesse are probably the only ones that are actually going to care about this. You're I am so, going to scratch you're, Dan's you're so multi-rotor wrong. itch, dude. Come on. So a little low. So I, I guarantee you, if we were the only ones that cared, they would not be true. making. Well, on this podcast, anyway. <laughs> and I guess uh, I guess uh-huh. Scorpion's going to be coming out with some too. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, 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 man, you do you want to do the news? Everything. Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Am I stealing the thunder? God, I'm sorry. Okay, let's just jump. Pretty right soon, into you're going to say that Contron Dan already pointed out. out. Contron is going to be putting <laughs> some out too. <laughs> I have no okay. idea if that's true. Moving <laughs> on, moving on. As Dan has already pointed out, there's so eloquently, a huge, eloquently. So eloquently. Absolutely. Yes. It wasn't very eloquent. It wasn't very but eloquent. I like that phrase, so we'll roll with it. Uh, there is a huge influx of multi-rotor stuff coming to the market here. First, we've got Patrick at KDE Direct, who is, he just posted this earlier today on his KDE Facebook page, uh, some images of new motors as well as some specs that are going to be shipping soon. Uh, I think he's got pre-orders open right now, and he has three different motors. Uh, One is a 14-pole 400 kV motor. One is a 24-pole 400 kV motor. And then uh, he has a 380 kV motor. These range in price from about 121 to 133. And these are being marketed as sort of high quality, almost professional grade style multi-rotor motors uh, that were designed specifically for this application. And he lists like, for example... Uh, these particular motors seem to be sized for being mounted on like the DJI S800. And you look at the KV and you know that we're, we're focusing on, uh, you know, uh, 6S systems. 
So none of this is for the D, the, at least the stock form of the DJI 550. No, no this would not. Yeah, these are these are pretty hardcore items here. This is for the, the big guys that are spending money to hoist the big expensive cameras. Uh, this is ah, not see, for your little entry level DJI fun so machine. bigger nerds out there than us. There are. Oh, there yeah. are. But you'll get there. Don't worry, Jesse. <laughs> okay. So to to add on to that, Scorpion, thank you, Dan, again. You're welcome. Is bringing out what's called the Scorpion M40 series of motors for multi-rotors. And these look similar in, in overall size and construction to uh, the KDEs. In other words, they are also tar- targeting some of the the higher end professional grade multi-rotor stuff. These are, there's a 340 KV motor and a 360. So again, the larger flat style can motors that are going to run 6S power systems with big, uh, huge props on there. So those will be coming out uh, pretty soon as well, I believe. And finally, Contronic has another set of offerings for multi-rotor as well. They're calling it their professional line. So they have two sets of motors called the Spider X's, and there's a Spider X-15. And the Spider X-15 is the smaller version. It's about 300-ish watts continuous, uh, which is a little bit hotter than your standard you know, DJI 550 or 450 size motors. Uh, These are probably targeting uh, either high-end heavy lift setups for that kind of a multi-rotor or slightly larger multi-rotors. But they're between 610 and 780 kV, 300 watts continuous. Uh, The Spider X25s are one step up above that. These are 370 to 650 kV. And they're 400 watt continuous, so uh, able to handle just a little bit larger of a multi-rotor, probably in the seven to eight or 900 millimeter range. Uh, And they are actually pretty cool looking. For those who are familiar with what sort of the standard Contronic motors are, it's the same style, except the red anodized has been replaced with this really bright royal blue. And to go along with that, they're now offering what's called the Control X series of ESCs in 30, 40, and 55 amp uh, low volt, so up to 6S capable ESCs. So, lots of multi-rotor options coming out for the, I'd say, mid to high end range of, of product for those who are interested. And Dan... I'm going to predict you'll have something from one of these three lines of products before the end of the year. Huh. You think? I think so. Yep. Huh. Nick agrees. <laughs> yeah, think just think about how reliably these motors will allow you to hover. Yeah, for example, <laughs> I would be willing to As bet if- that one of these motors will not stop working after five flights. That's that's a fairly safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Nick's just getting all quiet over there. Uh, 
He fell yeah. asleep. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> well, how about anybody else? Anybody else got any news? I think that's it, dude. Jesse? Oh, nothing from Jesse this week? Here. Jesse? Oh, wait. I see I see one more thing. I see it. I see there yes. might be a little bit of news. So building off of this whole this whole multi-rotor thing. Yeah, we're on a roll. Go with it, yeah, Jesse. Did, did anybody, anybody out there see the flying box? Hmm? No. Hmm. A.K.A. The manta ray. Oh, no. Shit. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I tried to block it no, out no of one my saw mind. <laughs> you, you clicked on the link yeah. once, though, right? I didn't. Yeah, so there's this video that popped up. We got the 1,230 millimeter manta ray variable, variable pitch quadcopter. Curtis Youngblood coming out with this. and It's only a proof of concept video right now, but... It looks uh it looks very interesting to say the least. It's uh it's got four four motors, four propellers, variable pitch. Look pretty boxy. <laughs> it kind of looks like a bed up. frame. <laughs> it's a flying yeah. bed frame, dude. <laughs> I mean, help me out here. There's not much more to it. And what what are the you know, I was looking at this in the video. Are those 450 or 250 sized rotor heads? Because they, I mean, it's swinging some pretty substantial <laughs> bladage. They are, they're large. I don't know. I would guess two. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, okay, yay, he did a bigger electric, and then he fired up the nitro one, and my heart just yeah. sank a little more. And I was like, oh sweet Jesus, he's using the power. Of absolutely for correct. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was my first thought, and then my second thought was Dan is going to have one of these. No, I can look. Those hexacopters are purpose driven. There's a reason for them, and it is not to fly around and have a good time. It just isn't. Well, it, this one it is. No, that's that's the thing <laughs> that interests me nil. No way, shape, or form does that interest. Are you sure? Can you recalculate that? <laughs> I can't. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit, <laughs> dude. It's you're telling me that if you could do fun, exciting, aerobatic, 3D FPV flights with nitro, dude. No, you wouldn't. No. No. I'd get sick. Yeah, you're gonna uh, acrobatic. <laughs> acrobatic FPV sounds like a bad idea. Like, if I'm standing up, I'm going to fall over. This is just everything wrong with this world. <laughs> yeah, it's just going down, it's going downhill. <laughs> so no news from Jesse this week. Nothing from Compass. No, nothing. I have one nothing final Compass. one that I'm going to end because I refuse oh. to end on a nitro. Is this the news of the week? Because I don't, I don't think we uh, did news it's of the week. Not really. There, there really isn't one. I just don't want to end on a bad note. Uh, <laughs> Scorpion has uh, announced and will be releasing... Uh, a new line of EFCs. This is awesome. They've got a 120 amp. This will have a high voltage BEC inside of it. And this is, let's see, 59 volt capable, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. That's hmm. lightweight that's 14S. Right. Lightweight 14S. So everyone who wants to run a 14S 700 class, but didn't want to deal with the the weight of a 160 
this is your ticket right here. I love it. I dig it. I think it's just it's going to be awesome. They've really gotten, they seem to have gotten the reliability down. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully that uh, they don't have any BEC issues. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be really cool. It's, of course, it's ironic and awesome that after I refit with all of the old ones, they announced the new one. But, you know, that's the hobby. That <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it that's was the it next day. I was like, oh, dude, really? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so be sure to check those out, too. Looking good. That's it. All right. Well, I don't have any news this week, so uh, I guess we'll move along. Uh, move around. Move around, Raggy. <laughs> Alrighty guys, this week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Hey Nick, those custom charging cases you've been putting together lately are awesome. But what would I do if I think all of those are a l- Hey Nick, those custom charging cases you've been putting together lately are awesome, but what would I do if I thought that was all a little bit too far over my head? Ah man, I got you. You're going to want to head over to Progressive RC and check out their charging case combos. These bad boys are ready to go right out of the box. And if you change your mind and end up feeling a little bit adventurous, Progressive also has all the accessories needed to build one yourself. Sweet, man. I'm going to head over to www.progressiverc.com today to check out my options. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about maneuvers. Stuff that we're learning to do from beginner to advanced. With helis. Yeah, we're talking helis now. It's all Not multi-rotors. Yeah. I find it all really sad. Isn't everything a multi-rotor does beginner? Everything a multi-rotor does is kind of beginner. I think your it? jokes are getting old. I don't know, Dan. Can you nose in hover your multi-rotor? <laughs> oh, well, of course. You- yeah, but no one knows. <laughs> yep. It's pointless. You can tell on mine because it's got two, two red arms. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> exactly. You can tell. So anyway, moving along. Maneuvers. Before we uh, lose Nick altogether. So we talked a, a, a long time ago about Jesse kind of doing a, a bit of a segment. We're gonna this isn't it's not really necessarily a start of that segment, but we're gonna go ahead and talk about some, I guess Jesse, what basic maneuvers and kind of working into some advanced maneuvers. Yeah, we like like Dan said, this isn't. I don't really think this is the start of the segment that we had necessarily planned, but this is hopefully gonna kickstart something here. Um, and hopefully it's going to be from how do I take that, maybe the first trip out to the field, those first couple of maneuvers, and, you know, as thoroughly as we can in, in the short show that we have, how do we get kind of to the more advanced maneuvers and what kind of builds off of itself to get there? Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, that was a that was a question, Dan. You you prompted me with a question. I, I answered the question. I did prompt you with a question, but you were on a roll, dude. I was going to let you own it. Oh yeah, let's let's go let's, for it. Let's then. dig right into it, man. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So I mean, basically, from my from my perspective, um, I know most listeners have probably heard a little bit of the beginning progression of me flying, but I am a huge advocate for before you start doing basically anything else please make sure that you have your basic orientations down for hovering so for me that's 
and for everyone, I guess, tail in, nose in, nose left, and nose right. That, if you can get those down right off the bat, I in, in my experience, that is going to save you a whole bunch of time and money further on down the road. So one little quick thing that I jotted down here is it can be a huge, I guess, transition going from tail in to now all of a sudden looking at the heli from the front and looking at the heli nose in. And one thing that helped me learn nose in when I was learning that was move the stick in the direction that the heli is tilting to correct for the heli, to move the heli back to level. So if you see the heli start drifting to the right, move the stick to the right. And if you see the heli drifting to the left, move the stick to the left. And once I kind of got my head wrapped around that, I felt that kind of moved me past nose in onto the next thing. Um, you guys got any other, you know, what's what's your guys' perspective? Any other tips and tricks for the basically nailing down those four orientations for that hover bef- before we go into the other stuff? I use the same exact trick that you did. You know, correct in the direction of, you know, of danger or of bad. The, the way that it's tilting, you want to you want to correct in that direction. That helped a lot. Once I figured that out, it was I mean, I picked it up super quick and moved on. I think the key, though, is don't rely on that. Do that to get familiar with nose. Oh, yeah. Eventually yeah. you want to you want to practice enough to where it's it just becomes automatic here. I mean, well, OK, if 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 you're if you're like me. The nose in thing was very stressful at first because you do it on the sim and, you know, the sim is it's the sim. You know, you're not going to have any consequences. You crash it. You move on. The first time I swung that heli around 180 degrees and tried to do nose in my brain locked up at first and I quick flipped it back around a tail end, took a breath, you know got composed and then thought through what I was going to do next. But once I figured out correct in the direction that it's tilting, I had a game plan. You know what I mean? Then I could flip it around and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I I think that helped a lot. The other thing is I found it useful to, I found it useful to ease into the nose in so don't just go straight to nose in but slowly get further and further along through side in until you're kind of like 45 degrees nose in and so on and so forth before you get straight nose on you know what i mean did did you go as far to learn any like forward flight before the nose in i did i learned figure eights and circuits before i ever tried nose in on the real thing because to me it made perfect sense it you're seeing nose in orientation throughout the entire circuit or figure eight, no matter what direction you're flying it. And so that just gets you used to that profile of the heli. And you can get comfortable with making corrections there because when it's moving straight like an airplane, it's a whole heck of a lot more stable and you don't have to worry about things going wrong quickly. Thinking back to those early days, you know, you hear that advice. I agree with Justin. I did it incrementally, little bits at a time instead of just whipping it right around. The one thing that I didn't do that I wish I did and I kind of had to go back and do is doing the figure eights when I was slowly getting used to. Uh, do I got to the point where I could do a figure eight. And then what I would do is as I was coming back around to the nose in orientation, I would just I would stop the figure eight and do a hover as it was working its way nose into me. But what I didn't do, and I 
kind of common sense to those of us who have been flying a long time is I only did it one way. So I found that after a while, I got really comfortable doing that in one direction, but trying to come back around the other way was really difficult and kind of a mind. I really kind of screwed myself because now it was a whole mental Mm -hmm. issue. That's a good point. You know, if you're at that stage, everything you do on the right, do on the left. Don't neglect either side because what's going to happen is you're going to, you're, you're, you'll, you know, you fall into that comfort zone and you just want to go fly and, and you, you fool yourself into thinking that you're practicing nose in hovering or circuits or figure eights. But what you're not doing is you're, con- you're neglecting one complete side and you kind of want to progress. It's natural to go, well, I can do this now. It's time to move on to this. Well, and you find yeah. out that, well, wait a minute. I have a weak, a really weak spot in this orientation. And, and it becomes tough to go back because you just want to go fly and have fun and do those things you know you can do on the one side. But you have to stop and kind of train yourself to get used to the other side. So do everything on both sides. That is, that's so easy to say and so hard to enforce. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say it's, it's almost as bad. So only doing everything on one side is almost as bad as only doing forward flight and yep. not doing backwards. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's that much of like a handicap when you start moving into more advanced maneuvers. Yeah, I agree. You know, one yeah, thing absolutely. that I, so that, um, really helped me with the transition you know from from tail end to nose in would be uh, so when you're sitting there tail in to to make that sliding it back and forth and flying off of both right and left shoulder and that's kind of what we're talking about not mm-hmm. just getting everything right in front of you or only flying to one side when you take a helicopter that's tail in and if you slide slowly give it a little bit of an aileron slide and slide it over to where it's about 40 to 45 degrees off to your right, you're not tail in anymore. Like it automatically became not tail in and you didn't have to try and panic and worry about it as it slid over there. Yeah. No rudder, rudder but now it's not. And that's a, that's a transition. So when you slide it over to your right, you're now looking at it nose left 45 degrees. Well, once you get that down to where you can do that both sides, then start back up tail in and give it nose left 45 degrees, hover it in front of you, and now do your slide left and right again. Now, when you go to the left, you're going to be back perfectly straight tail in. But as you slide over to the right, once you get all the way over there and you get more comfortable where you can slide a little farther, a little farther, a little farther, you get to that 45 degree mark again. You're now nose left 90 degrees. I mean, you have, you have worked yourself into feeling comfortable. Do the same thing with right rudder. And doing that back and forth, you know, starting in the center, moving to the left, flying back to the center, stopping, moving to the right, all without changing rudder directions, uh, for me, is the easiest way to really perfect all of those hover orientations. And the biggest one was to get past that nose, the 90 degree mark. So nose right or nose left. I got to the point where I could hover nose right, nose left pretty fast. And I could actually hover nose in. Okay. 
but you get to that weird kind of, you know, like 270 degree deal off of a certain shoulder. And I had real big weak spots right there. Now, if I went farther and just brought it nose in, it was fine. But, you know, when I would get it there, I could maybe get it there off flying off my left shoulder. But if I slid it over to the right, it got real awkward real fast. And forcing myself to do those exercises really took all of the holes out of my upright hovering, which, that, I mean, that's the whole, that is the key of what we're trying to do is to get you comfortable in any upright orientation that you are in. And I mean any, any any heading and yeah. any shoulder that it's off of. Because once you start learning to fly inverted, playing catch, as we call it, which is trying to catch the heli when it gets out of shape, it's so much more comfortable. And you cut down your crash cost just dramatically. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, because that's a tool that I still use. In fact, as recently as last weekend, on the Rave, I did a couple of flights of just basics and the basic and what I do is that same exact thing. I'll start with it being tail in in front of me and I will do an aileron slide to the right, stop and hover a elevator slide forward, stop and hover elevator or aileron slide to the left. And I'm tracing out a box or a rectangle, a large one around me and close to the ground so that I get that range of orientations. And then all you have to do to make it different is turn the rudder mm-hmm. a little bit and go and do the same thing over again. And if you can do that upright in all four cardinal directions and then inverted in all four cardinal directions, you're, you yeah. are golden. It's a lot harder than you yep. think. To do it precisely, anyone can go out there and just kind of throw the thing around and come to a half-ass stop and then move to the next corner to do it controlled and clean and keep the same altitude and keep the orientation good is really challenging and you as as we all saw in the bottleneck yeah yeah you're absolutely (laughs) correct jesse yeah it's true it is true yeah no it seemed like yeah a lot of people struggled with that so once you once you have that, I guess, like Justin was saying, that precise, you can stop it wherever you want. You can hold it there for however long you want in whichever orientation the heli happens to be in. For me, that was when I started to progress into the forward flight and the figure eights. And so one little trick that kind of helped me keep, I kind of learned forward figure eights and backward figure eights, uh, one right after the other. There wasn't too much space in between them. And so one thing that kind of helped me learn and keep those two separate was when you're flying forward figure eights, the rudder and the aileron direction are going to go the same way. Whether that's a right turn or a left turn, you're going to get right rudder and right aileron when you're doing your figure eight and making your nice smooth corner. When you're going backwards, your rudder and your aileron, you're now going to find are going to go exact opposite directions. So you're going to give left rudder and right aileron and once i was kind of able to visualize what my fingers were doing and consciously feel what my fingers were doing and notice those changes between forward and backwards flight that really helped me progress and you know really gain full control of those because i wasn't you know wasn't freaking out about which way the aileron and the rudder were going i was at least able to start the turn correctly which then hope you know made it 
made it smooth sailing through the rest of the turn. Yep, yep. I I want to bring yeah, up the. I want to bring up one point um, since we're talking about uh, upright forward figure eights, and it, I only reason I want to bring this up is because I've been watching Ed fly recently. I don't know if this is a common problem. I don't know. I don't remember having this problem, but it's something that I'm seeing Ed struggle with, and it's something he's been struggling with for a long time. And that is, you know, getting used to nice, controlled, coordinated mixing of your rudder, your collective, and your aileron through a turn on the figure eight. Uh, What I notice Ed is doing is bailing out on the rudder too soon on a turn when he's coming around the other side. And what happens is he starts to slide out of of the turn. And and I bring that up because I just think it's something that if you're at that level, it's something you just really need to practice. And and maybe instead of trying to do figure eights, maybe just circuits in one direction to get used to positioning the rudder and leaving the rudder and not and committing to it and leaving it because he's bailing out of the rudder and he ends up sliding out of almost every corner. And then when he doesn't bail out, he way over commits and he ends up just spinning the heli around. So -hmm. there's kind of that balance when you're at that stage that you really need to nail uh, before you move on. So I just thought I'd bring that up real quick. Yeah. That's being able to fly, you know, really correctly and i will i'll call that correctly not sliding through a corner you know not not keeping the tail low and kind of like i guess that would be sliding through it or you know going too hard on the tail and kind of drifting through the corner it is really important because it teaches you rudder control that later in funnels will pay off big time because when you get to that point where you can control a rudder um very accurately through a figure eight, you are definitely ready for to start trying funnels. I mean, no question, because that is the name of the game with the yep. funnel is is maintaining rudder control. Yep, and you know yeah, the that- we're we're talking about like on the the nose in little tips and tricks on how to train your mind, and you know Jesse, you said point or poke the stick in the direction of of the drift on uh upright upright and yeah upright backward and forward flight i i being a nerd i always sat down before i tried something and kind of thought it through in my head and visualized it and then kind of put my fingers on the sticks and made the motions that i thought i would need to do right and what i found useful is you think about you've got four circuit types, right? You've got upright, backwards and forwards, and you got inverted backwards and forwards. And they're split up into what I would call coordinated or uncoordinated turns. And if it's a coordinated turn, it means that you're moving your rudder and your aileron sticks in the same direction. Okay? So upright, upright forward is going to have a coordinated left and right turn. If you want to turn left, you turn your rudder left, you turn your aileron left. On backwards upright, you're uncoordinated. If you want to turn left, you turn your rudder left and your aileron opposite of that, to the right. 
And so when I first got started, that helped me a lot because I would think to myself, okay, you're about to go and do a circuit upright backwards. What is the leading control? Okay, rudder direction defines the direction of the turn in an upright backward circuit. Makes sense, right? And then when you get a little bit more advanced and you go to inverted, the up or the inverted forward is an uncoordinated turn where the opposite is the case. Aileron leads the turn, meaning if I want to turn left, I'm giving left aileron input with right rudder. And on inverted backwards, it's a coordinated turn, just like upright forward, except the controls are opposite of the direction that you're turning. So now if I want to turn left, I'm making I'm making my sticks move to the right for both rudder and aileron. So just another easy thing to think of when you're starting out. And again, eventually you need to get to the point where you're using yeah. muscle memory and you don't rely on that trick. But if it helps yeah, you visualize and understand the stick movements better initially, then it's worthwhile. Yeah, and especially if it just gets you, because it, it, it can be very nerve-wracking when you're going into a turn and right off the bat you go the wrong way with the rudder and the aileron. So hopefully that can at least help you when you're going into that turn get started in the right direction and then you can follow through and maintain those stick positions through the turn. Yep. So the next maneuver that I have here on my, I guess, beginner's list is stall turns. And not only are these really cool when you're first learning them, because it gives you the opportunity, you know, to get the heli way up in the air and, you know, a vertical descent down and get a lot of forward speed going. This is actually, this maneuver is a great building block for maneuvers that you're going to be doing later on. And how that is, is this maneuver will train you to find mid stick on your transmitter because it's, it's very visual as you put the heli in a vertical orientation or, you know, the nose or tail pointing straight down towards the ground, you're going to see if you have too much positive or too much negative pitch on the transmitter because the heli is going to want to wander in the air and not fall straight to the ground. And in later, more advanced maneuvers, being able to, I guess, nail that mid-stick position is very, very key because you'll find a lot of maneuvers become extremely difficult if you can't automatically go straight to mid-stick. Yeah, it's a great tool. And there's one thing really cool about guys that are at that level when they're learning how to do stall turns. You know, you get a chance, you know, when you can really nail a nice stall turn, when you let it get right to the top and then a slow rotation and then back down. When you get to show your friends that you're flying, that really looks cool to people. You know what I mean? It looks, it kind of really looks like you know what you're doing. And it's, it's, it, it's just from that perspective alone, it's kind of a neat, neat maneuver to, to learn when, when you really don't have a lot of stuff in your bag. Well, it's of kind of almost like the first and it looks, it, actual maneuver maneuver other than just flying around. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is yeah. true, Nick. I think another really important thing yeah, so with once, stall turns is that they, again, it, it helps you get to work on that rudder control, you know, being able to go up, turn exactly 180 degrees with the rudder. And if you don't get it, you know, maintaining composure on the way down and making small corrections to recenter the rudder. And that's, that's the big key. I mean, small corrections, small corrections 
make for small mistakes. Wins. You know what I mean? Yeah, that for for some reason that when you're saying, you know, precisely move the rudder around 180 degrees, that just made me remember that that first time I'm going up and it's like, okay, here we go. I'm going to do a 360. This thing is going all the way around this time. And just how much forward <laughs> speed and momentum yeah. in my mind, I thought that I needed because this heli is going to come down, yeah. is rocketing towards the ground, but to get that full peril in, but you know, really, really once, once you do it a couple of times, you find yeah. out it, it's really not that bad, but that, those first couple of times. And that brings <laughs> up a good point too, because that is, that really is your first exposure to rudder 360s and watching the tail spin completely around from a completely different angle. You know, it's like your first foray into that. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And then you start figuring out how many rotations can I get in uh, on the way down before I have to bail out mm-hmm. and come up out of yeah. it. You know what I mean? That's kind of fun. Yeah, That's well, fun you when start doing it. You know, the next, when you really want to start cranking it up and you've got your stall turns down, now start coming out of them backwards. And that, that yep. gets hairy when yeah. you're learning. Or start coming Absolutely. out of them sideways. Yep. Yep. Really good way to check your tail gain. Coming out of a stall turn using right yep. aileron. Good point. That's that's how that's how I check my tail gain now. I'm sure. Um, I think we've talked about that before, but either I now I do a big loop, but you can do the same exact thing once you're at that stall turn level. You know, if you can come out of it side in using right aileron, that is extremely hard on the tail and a great way to know if your gain is too high or too low right away. Impulsiveness. It's something us heli pilots have learned to accept and love. Sometimes we're feeling a bit impulsive and just feel like skimming through a website to see if anything jumps out at us. With their large variety of helicopter and multi-rotor kits, parts, and accessories, you'll be sure to find something at HeliPros to scratch that itch. So head on over to www.helipros.com to check out what they've got. So this next category, this could fall in the beginner, but I kind of put it more in the intermediate so for me personally, I think this is against the the normal order of maneuvers that people that the the list that you'll see floating around the forums. So for me personally, I actually learned stationary tumbles and rolls before I did, you know, the big continuous loops. Um and one thing for me that I noticed with the tumbles and rolls was it's a whole heck of a lot harder if your flip and roll rates are just way yeah. too fast. You got to be realistic when you're learning to do these things. Your collective management may not be the best. You may bog the heli extremely, extremely bad the first couple times. And it just helps a lot if your flip and roll rates are, I would say, medium. Not necessarily super slow, but you don't want that thing to just rocket right around where you don't even need to go to mid-stick to get through it. It just powers through. Um, you're definitely doing it wrong if that's the case. Um, so just make sure that, you know, it's it's a moderate flip and roll rate. And you it forces you to go to, to once again, find that mid-stick position to make it all the way through and to make it sound like the heli wasn't working as it's going all the way through. That's a big key um, right there. You know how many people I mean, can't, I mean, can't do stationary flips and rolls, both directions, each one, 
without bogging the heli. I mean, it's... And truly keeping it over one spot, especially on the rolls. That's the one that I see the most. I mean, forward and backward flips, I think, are a little bit easier to keep in one spot. But side to side, people can go all over the place. Thinking back to when I was learning that, I found, for me, um, the backwards flip, stationary flip, was pretty easy to maintain altitude and position. I struggled for a long time. I would always lose a ton of altitude on the forward flips. Really? It was the exact Hmm. opposite for me. Yeah, I I, couldn't get the timing done. I took to forward flips like I'd been doing them my entire life. Backward flips were like, ooh, that's that's kind of scary. I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> how did how do you guys feel about the order though? What about the loops versus the you know the big loops versus the stationary tumbles? I'll tell you how that one worked for me, Jesse. The minute I realized I could sustain forward flight with my T Rex 500 without fear of crashing it, I decided I was going to do a loop. And I'd never done a loop before, (laughs) and I hadn't messed with it. At the time, I didn't even have a sim, so I hadn't messed with it on the sim. So I said, okay, well, this is easy, right? You know, just pull back on the elevator. Well, uh, as you do when you're new, you don't have sensitivity for the sticks, and you don't know how your finger movements translate into actual rates. So I pulled Mm -hmm. back on the sticks, and I did a (laughs) backflip. That's how tight my loop was. So... Uh, I actually kind of learned flips and rolls alongside loops, but for me, loops were much easier to get looking nice and clean and incorporating into my circuits. Um, I had to work more on the collective timing for the flips and rolls, obviously because it's a lot faster of a maneuver and you've got Mm -hmm. to follow through the entire rotation with the correct collective position. Yeah, same for me. Loops first. That's what I did. So once, at least, so for me, my progression was now, so now that I was able to do loops and flips and rolls, that kind of helped me, like Justin was saying, figure out, so how far when I throw the sticks, is this going to translate into how quickly the heli rotates or how fast it flips over? So the next thing, you know, I we'd all watched the 3D videos. We'd probably all seen a TikTok. The next thing I really started going after was the TikTok now that I had what I would consider, you know, elevator control. And so this this maneuver, whether you're doing it correctly or not, can all be you can listen to the maneuver and hear it. And I know this because still when I go out to the field today and I'm doing for me now pyro TikToks, but Nick will be standing out there and going, okay, I can hear when you're doing negative pitch, your motor's working. When you're doing positive pitch, it's not. And that is the big key with TikToks is how hard through the maneuver are you making the heli work? Are you using enough cyclic and not so much collective that the heli is having an easy time? Or are you using a ton of collective and a little bit of cyclic and really, really making that heli work? That distinction right there was the killer for me on TikToks. Because when I first started doing it, I look at it and it's like, well, you got to bang the thing back and forth really quick, right? Well, what does that the easiest? Collective. So I'm sitting here smacking the collective around, like literally from like full positive to full negative with a little bit of elevator. 
And the thing, literally, I mean, it's it's crying, right? It's like, just put me out of my misery. I'm ready to die and fall out of the sky. And they don't look good and they don't sound good. Uh, and then I, I can't remember how I, I think I think I was flying. This was around when you and I met Nick and we flew together. And you were just talking about TikToks because I think you you had learned them just a little bit before me. And you said, oh, yeah, dude, I had to increase my my mm-hmm. cyclic rates because I was using too much collective. And I was like, holy crap, dude, that's it. Like it for whatever reason, I hadn't made the connection. And and so I think that's really key when you're trying to learn TikToks now. I will fully admit that even now my TikToks suck compared to people who do TikToks a lot. I'm not particularly fond of the maneuver to begin with, but I do agree it's a skill you got to <laughs> learn. And I couldn't do them to save my life when my when I was using all collective and no cyclic. It really is you've got to you got to throw the thing around with the cyclic and just make small changes mm-hmm. in collective. Yep. Yeah, you pretty much on the collective, you just have to do enough to stop that. You know, once you give it that forward elevator, you just want enough enough collective to stop the heli and change the direction and then go into the backwards or, you know, pulling back towards yourself on the elevator. And once again, stop the heli on the other end. That's really what the collective is for in the TikTok. And you'll find that if you do that, you really shouldn't hear the heli working all that hard to do a TikTok. And you also get a TikTok that looks like the classical yeah, TikTok <laughs> where in an elevator sense, the the heli is pivoting on the tail, yeah, like on I, the I tail if, case. If you do I've, the heavy collective light cyclic, you get one that looks like it's headbanging. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you'll watch some people do TikToks and you'll watch from the back when the disc is towards you and they look fine. But you'll get, once once you walk over to the side or they start doing them side and you'll go. We call those shit talks. Those, those really, those really, you're not quite doing them right because the, those those really they are. That's not quite how you do it. So difficult. I think they're an easy maneuver to get started in, but one of the elevator TikToks to me are actually one of the harder maneuvers to perfect side in. I mean, flawless, where yep. the tail is just stuck in one spot, yep. and it's just, it's nailed right there. And they look, they still, to this day, look so good when they're done right. See, and that's yeah. why mine still suck, because I'm not willing to put the time into perfect a move <laughs> that I don't want to fly. Yeah, so so another tip for the TikToks while we're on this is... So to make the TikTok move to so once you got down just stationary TikToks to make that TikTok now move to the left or move to the right, all you want to do is just feed in a little bit of rudder. So if you give a little bit of right rudder and move the nose to the right, this is assuming that you're doing elevator TikToks with the disc towards you. Keep going directly vertical and down straight on the cyclic and a little bit of right rudder and you'll find that the heli will then begin to walk to the right. And same if you give a little bit of left rudder, the heli will then walk to the left. And so this can actually open up a whole bunch more maneuvers. And this is something that I'm currently working on still perfecting is being able to do, you know, a circle or a box where you you walk the TikTok to the left, you make it climb up 20 feet, you walk it back to the right, and then you try to make it descend 20 feet. 
So just, you know, messing around with all these things, you can open up a whole bunch more maneuvers with all basically the same base mm-hmm. maneuver, the TikTok. So now moving into a couple more maneuvers here, I'm going to kind of skip over the, the basics for doing inverted flight. Um, we kind of already hit on whether it's a coordinated or an uncoordinated turn. It's a lot, it's a lot like learning the upright flight. Um, you know, that, that coordinated or uncoordinated will help you get started into the turn. And basically you're starting over just like you were with upright, but now you're looking at the heli from, you know, different orientations and obviously it's inverted. So, and, and learn, sorry, Jesse, I think it's important to give this tip, learn how to hover inverted in your orientations first. Because you think it's funky when you're trying to do upright, forward, and backward flight, and you get these different views. Now put yourself upside down where all the controls are flipped. Yep. And don't expect your brain to be able to work it out the first <laughs> couple of times. So you you really need to make sure that you're comfortable with the heli hovering in all inverted orientations. Yep. For my personal classification between maybe a more advanced intermediate maneuver and then a way advanced maneuver is whether it's a pirouetting maneuver or not. So for me, I kind of put the next one I have on the list here is a rolling circuit. And I kind of put that right at the beginning of the advanced list or at the very, very bottom of the intermediate list. And so a couple for me, these were, I've, this is something that I have not perfected in real life that I have perfect that I do have down on the sim and I can do them in real life, but they are by no means clean. And so one thing you really got to be conscious about is how fast your aileron roll rate is. Because when I'm doing maneuvers like this, I don't like to overwhelm myself with trying to control too many rates. So what I want to be able to do is just max out the aileron con- the aileron roll rate and just focus in on that elevator and rudder. Because every time you roll the heli over, you have to get, give a little bit of elevator and a little bit of rudder to make those nice, smooth, coordinated turns as you move around, whether it's just a circle or a figure eight. Um, is this anything um, that you guys are working on on the nope. sim? <laughs> I've worked Nick. them on the sim. It's above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I, That's here, here's my thing. I can fly rolling circuits for an entire pack on a plank, like without mm-hmm. even thinking. And then I go to the heli and I get completely douched up. And I know it's got to be a mental thing. It has to be a mental thing. And the fact that I'm throwing an extra control in there with collective, it just doesn't translate well. So, no, I don't I'm not actively working them. Sometimes when I get bored, I'll mess with it on the heli on the sim. But mm-hmm. uh, they're they're I'm going they're challenging. to try. Um, I'm going to probably start doing uh, rolling loops and possibly rolling vertical mm-hmm. S's. Um, but I have mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of weird. I have zero interest in doing rolling circles. Uh, be- I really do. I personally mm-hmm. think they look really ugly. Oh, see, I think it's hmm. one of the coolest, I guess what I'll call a... it a big air maneuver that you can do. Does it have anything to do with the fact that your brain thinks that doing it vertically is easier than doing it no, in a horizontal just, plane, like no. in a circuit? It's not. I just Because 
so for the the vertical eight i have found this is something that's still in the in the sim for me i've attempted it a couple times out of the field it is extremely extremely hard to manage the elevator such that you don't completely kill yes. all of your forward momentum yeah. when you go into the loop mm-hmm you will find that you'll have all this, you'll do a huge stall turn and you'll have all this forward speed. You'll start your roll. And then as soon as you start feeding in that elevator, somehow all of your forward speed is gone and there's no way you're getting to the middle or to the top of that vertical eight. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, that does make sense. You're fighting gravity a lot more I on just that one. Don't yeah. Like the way the circles look. That's all. That's hmm. fair. So this brings us to, a very popular maneuver, the half, single, double, however many pyros you want to do per half flip, there's a name for it, the pyro flip. So for this maneuver, um, probably like most people, I started with the half and slowly worked my way up to the singles, which I did not stay on for very long, pretty much moving straight into the doubles. So one huge, huge tip, which I think think we've mentioned on here before if not i know i mentioned it in the in the last newsletter was once again there's so many different channels to try and control here that if we can eliminate one of those it makes the move much much easier and so for me that's the rudder i adjust basically my maximum pure rate on my heli right now is set to how fast mm-hmm. do i want to do my pyro flips if i want to do my pyro flips faster i'll increase my rudder if I want to do them slower, I'll decrease my rudder in the flybarless unit so it physically cannot go any faster. But what this allows me to do is when I'm doing those pyro flips, the rudder is maxed the entire time. So I'm literally just worrying about the collective up and down and the cyclic stir. And for me, that's given me the ability to really clean them up and just wrap my brain around the pyro flip and then transition that into other maneuvers. Um do you guys do that, or do you try to fight the rudder and oh, you know, adjust a, the speed as I'm you're gonna going? I'm going to peg that sucker, and that's where it's going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Up until recently, I was fighting the rudder. I was doing the same thing. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's when you actually peg it over, it makes a huge freaking difference. Because like you said, Jesse, you're not thinking about it. But what yeah, I found hurt thing. me even more, and this is more so on... and. I'm going to go on a tangent really quick because I want to make sure everyone understands our definition. When you're giving a number of pyros per uh, in the name, half pyro flip means a half pyro per yep. half flip, yep. right? Yep. Full yep. pyro flip means a full pyro per half flip or two yep. pyros total. Okay. So yes. half pyro flips are where most people start in the half pyro flips. I don't find it's as big of an issue. But I've now started to do full and double pyro flips. And in that one, it's a lot worse because the heli's moving or the tail's moving a whole hell of a lot quicker, obviously, for the same amount of flipping um, as compared to a half pyro. And when stuff starts getting getting out of shape before I had it pegged, what I was finding was instead of adjusting my stir to get the heli back in shape. I was locking my stir and adjusting the rudder rate. And that is the absolutely wrong way to get yourself through a pyro flip cleanly. Yeah. And if it gets too far, I know this for some reason on the sim, I've never actually done this in real life, but for some reason, every time it gets out of shape, 
I want to fight it all the way until the thing crashes into the ground. Oh, yeah, dude. But but that is, once again, the absolute (laughs) worst possible thing you can do. As soon as you feel uncomfortable with the pirouette flipper, you know, you get, you're no longer synced up. Just stop (laughs) pirouetting. Go mid stick, stop pirouetting, and correct. Because if, hopefully, if you're up to this point, you know all your orientations. So what can go wrong? You can save the heli as long as you have enough, you know, height up, height underneath you. You're going to be fine. You know all your orientations. Just. Look at the helis, recognize the you know, orientation. There's one it's more insane. little trick that I can add. When we talk about pegging the rudder, this, in my opinion, should, uh, like, if you're not going to do any dual rates or anything, that's for a double pyro flip. So that's like when Jesse's saying he's setting his rate. That's for doubles and triples and pretty much anything above that. Like my yep. pyro rate, I, it's max. But you cannot do a half pyro flip at full rudder rate unless you slow it down so um oh if yeah. you want to yeah. learn your halves yep. or you want to learn um your i would say singles would probably be the biggest one because it's that weird in between a half pair flip is not much redder it's really not so i almost wouldn't i would just no. bite the bullet and learn how to do it um but if you yeah, I, yep. I don't peg it on halves, but on fulls and doubles, yep. I found that I pretty much, I got to a point where I couldn't progress to make my pyro flips any cleaner in real life until I took that advice and pegged it. And I'm still working it, but it certainly helps yeah. full, simplify I would things. say go ahead and set up a dual rate, yep. like a 60% dual rate switch on your rudder. And when you want to practice singles, then go ahead and use that and peg it until you get it down just to where you can kind of somewhat control it through it and get the idea of what's going on and then go back to your regular pyro rate and learn it that way. But as far as uh, doubles and anything above that, just set your total pyro rate and and just freaking hold it. And as you get better, and that's... Remember, again, that's what I was doing. That's how I limited myself uh, re- up until recently on on my pyro flips. I was just, I had learned pyro flips slower, so I put a slower tail in. And then it, it held me back in the rest of my flying. So I should have kept increasing my tail rate, but I hadn't. And so now I went up and it's like, you know, the yeah. pyro flip is still imprinted in my brain regardless it took me a little bit to get used to the faster pyro rate, but that was very quick. And then, you know, my flying progressed again. Yeah. And and I feel, in my opinion, the half pyro flip is definitely, I didn't really put that explicitly on the list, but that one is definitely further up on the list. Because once you learn that half pyro flip, that really unlocks a lot of transitions oh, yeah. and stuff you can do with the heli to help you get from one maneuver to the next cleanly. And so I would really recommend it if you, you know, if you want to spend the time there, learn the half pyro flips with the right and the left rudder, because I'm still cleaning up the left rudder, halves, fulls, and doubles. I can do all of them, but nowhere near as proficient as I am with the right. And that I have found has held me back in some of the transitions and some of the stuff I can do with the helicopter. So it's very important to be able yeah. to do those both ways. 
Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't gone down that path yet. I'm a left Pyro guy, uh, and and I do recognize that that limits me. And maybe this year I will start working the right direction. But I definitely got to echo what you're saying, Jesse. I mean, in my opinion, at least as far as I've progressed thus far, other than the the initial transition from like hovering to forward flight. I think the half Pyro flip is the most transformational move to learn <laughs> and to and to get comfortable with because it really does. I mean, it opens all yeah. sorts of stuff up. It's the holy grail. Yep. It really is. It yeah, is. because what once you at least for my, you know, and everyone has a different style of flying, okay? So I'm not I'm not going to say one's better than another. But at the end of the day, I personally kind of get bored of the box standard pyro flip in whatever quantity of pirouettes you want to do. It's pretty cool to look at initially, but it's not a maneuver that at my level I find is easy to seamlessly integrate into a, a, a routine and it lacks excitement and dynamic because the thing's kind of just sitting there in one one position unless you learn to move it around. But when you start slowing that down and playing with the cyclic rates versus the tail and opening it up, you get into Mobiuses, you get into loops where you can put pyros into them. I'm not talking about full pirouetting loops where it's a constant thing, but it just gives you a whole lot of options for smooth transitions and and stringing yeah. stuff together. Yeah, because once you can really separate that, how fast, you know, once you have the rudder pegged and you can separate how fast do I have to stir to do two flips per half flip or sorry, two rotations per half flip or three rotations per half flip. That kind of brings us into the, like Justin mentioned, the an actual pyro loop where it's a continuous pyro throughout the whole loop. And once you kind of get that relationship down, really all you're doing is just stretching out a pyro flip and doing turning that pyro flip into a loop with just a much much smaller stir and different collective control and so getting down the, the half pyro flip and the double and the triple you can really that can transform your flying and you can do a lot of stuff with that not only just moving around the pyro flip but you can get into the collective control and i've really been doing a lot of the pyro columns where you know, you'll do the pyro flip as you're climbing straight up, and then you'll pull your you'll pull the heli back towards the ground, and level out, and then do another pyro flip as you're climbing up. So that really just unlocks a lot of maneuvers that you can do, um, whether you move it around or you stretch it out into a loop. KDE has become the industry-leading aftermarket's part support for the SAB helicopters. They have everything from the convenient removable battery tray to the precision upgraded tail system or the recently released extra beefy main shaft bearing support. To make sure that you're getting the most performance out of your Goblin helicopter, head over to KDEDirect.com for all your upgrade needs. maneuvers that I have here on the list and one thing that we kind of skipped over is pyro hovers both upright and inverted 
This was something that personally I skipped over for quite a while, especially the upright Pyro Hover. Um, the inverted, for some reason, seemed to come much easier than the upright because I had been uh, dabbling with inverted pyroing circuits. So I kind of had those orientations down. Um, so the inverted Pyro Hover came fairly quickly. The upright really took a lot of time to nail down. And it took a lot of discipline to keep working on it because it got very frustrating to be able to, once I could hold it stationary, just like with hovering, now try to move it to the right. Can you stop it where you want? Move it back to the left. Can you precisely mm -hmm. stop it right where you want? And can you hold it for as long as you want? Um, so learning these moves can you know, really help clean up a lot of other pirouing moves. Um, and it's something that I revisit routinely. Um, is this something that you guys work into your... I know for me, it's something that I just work into my five-minute sim warm-up now. Um, just to refresh yep. and stay, you know, keep them clean. I don't do my uprights I, near enough, though. And it shows because my upright yeah. pirouetting circuits are horrid. I mean, if you could even call them that. And it's it all stems around that because I skip past <laughs> that, you know, that upright pyro control, that constant pyro control. Whereas inverted I, I i did that one and i'm very comfortable i mean i can move it around left to right you know even mm -hmm. getting into like pirouetting funnels um but yeah upright man it just it sucks too because now yeah now i'm going backwards and it's hard to go back very i want to do back. like pyromobiuses well guess what i can do one half great but dummy can't do the other half at all it, it, it all stems back to because I didn't That's leading right into the next move. And it's like, dude, really? You dummy. Yep. yep. And I, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but for me, pirouetting hovers on the sim just don't translate. For whatever reason, I don't, I don't feel like it is sufficiently similar to the real thing. So I don't mess with them on the sim i will just do it on the actual helicopter yeah and then another thing that can be challenging is try different speeds now with pure you think you get it down you think okay I oh can, yeah i can pair upright and inverted now try to do them really really slow really <laughs> slow is a lot tougher than yeah. really fast yeah. and that kind of translates to especially the uh beginner maybe advanced moves uh you know your your circuits and your figure eights Get to do them, make them so that you can do them slow. Slow. Yeah. Slow and controlled is where it's at. Yeah, that, you know, that that is a really good point, Dan. Just going back to sort of the beginner side for a second. Uh, I, I found, at least initially with me, and uh, as I was sort of growing up or learning around other people at similar levels, as a beginner, I think people... People feel like moving the heli fast, and I mean in forward or backward flight, has they they feel more comfortable flying fast. They don't they have a hard time controlling their speed because they're just focusing on coordinating the turn, for example. And so they can get up to some pretty breakneck speeds. And of course, from a stability standpoint, the heli will will continue to fly that way if you pull the, your, your fingers off the sticks. So there's a, a comfort there. Uh, learning to do stuff slow is a completely different world. 
you might be able to go out there and bomb around at 50 miles an hour in all four circuit directions. Now, try to do that slow. And it's a it's a whole new set of skills. It really Very few is. pilots can do control, yeah, which can help stuff slow and fast. Yeah. It's just they have one rate at which they can do each yep. maneuver. Yep. And that's how you separate the, the good ones from the just the, you know, the average ones. From us. <laughs> the good ones from us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jesse, I don't, I don't know if you had it on your list, but I figured the one other thing that I would think I would want to know if I was in the sort of intermediate category, what about funnels? You got any tips for funnels? Because well, that's like, one like, of those ones where, in my opinion, it's certainly not an advanced maneuver. Uh, it, it's not mm-hmm. a beginner. You got to have all your circuits down, but it's something that can really add a lot of spice to the advanced beginner or intermediate pilot's routine without a significant amount of effort. I think Nick had kind of mentioned earlier. For me, I actually struggled with funnels for quite a bit. Mostly the reason being is I didn't have absolute control of the tail. So as soon as you're in that funnel and the tail starts to slip just a little bit, now all of a sudden the elevator isn't holding you in the funnel and the aileron isn't turning you straight around the funnel. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets out of shape really quickly. And so what I had to do to maintain you know, a nice clean funnel was literally just focus on the tail and making sure that the tail stayed exactly vertical and that I had the rate, the rudder rate matched up perfectly with the size mm-hmm. and speed of funnel that I was doing. I love them. <laughs> and so, yeah. I love funnels. Yeah, they're, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I enjoy them a lot too. I agree with you, Nick. And I, I, they're one of those ones, at least for me, as far as maneuvers go, regardless of orientation, where you can, I feel comfortable in playing with different things and funnels without much concern for dumb thumbing it. Because you know your orientations at that point enough to the point where, hey, you know, throw something in there, see what happens. Mm-hmm. You can recover without a problem. There's just so many different funnel orientations yeah. that that's what makes it tough. I mean, so many. If you're going to go both directions yeah. and, you know. Skids in, skids out, tail up, tail down. I mean, good Lord. And that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to work on right now is going back and getting all of them. Because, you know, some of them I can do at, hmm. at, I mean, just full collective. I mean, I love doing that because I just, I think it just looks so cool when you get one locked in. that it, It's like you just glued it there. But, you know, there's a lot of transitions in funnels that I I never used before. And I'm starting to use a lot of those. Funnels are easy to do big. They're very, very difficult actually to do slow and and small. Very difficult to do small. And that's what I'm kind of trying to use now is that transition from upright to inverted. Kind of, you know, with that, uh, that, yeah, just that transition in slow kind of on the deck stuff. And what, if you can get it down, mm-hmm. it, it really creates, it adds to, you know, my personal style, which is I try and keep a lot of flow with my f- flying. Yeah. 
And if you don't get it's, it down, it's a pretty spectacular crash. It, when they're yeah. going so fast, it's, it's a win-win. Oh, man. Yeah, I've caught a tail or two <laughs> in an inverted funnel at full collective. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, either way, it's a crowd pleaser. So, <laughs> so I think the, the last one I got on here, which we kind of touched on a little bit, was so now that you've done the pirouing you know, hover, inverted, and upright, that just, you know, that unlocks a whole bunch of maneuvers. And the first one that comes to mind is the Pyromobius, um, which Nick had mentioned. For me, this this is a maneuver that I have done only a handful of times in real life that I continue to work on um, on the sim. I think the biggest thing for me is that orientation of a spinning 700-size helicopter coming straight at you. You know, it's as you're turning that corner coming at yourself, you need to, you know, add in enough cyclic that <laughs> it completes the a, yeah. a tight corner and then starts going away from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is the, I guess that's, that's the point in the maneuver where you yeah. kind of take a breath and then you go into the next corner and then you're, you kind of clench up yeah. again and then you take another breath. And so that, that's, I know, um, that's one of those maneuvers where, you really want to make sure there's a whole category where you really want to make sure that you have it down in the sim. Cause not only are you, could you, you know, crash the heli and do a lot of damage to the heli. There's a huge chance that that heli could actually get behind you. Um, if, if it's not done correctly. And if you don't have all those orientations down and have a bailout in yeah. mind before you go into the maneuver, you know, how you're going to respond if it does get out of shape. I mean, there's so, there's obviously so many maneuvers we can do, one thing I want to kind of make sure everybody um, maybe should take in mind, take into consideration is, um, and, and I'm guilty of it, and I think all of us are at some level, is not to get too focused when you're learning something, no matter what your level. Uh, in other words, don't forget about the stuff you've already learned because I noticed, uh, particularly with auto rotations, um, I got to the point where I was very comfortable doing them, so I just kind of forgot about them. For quite some time and then when i went back to do them again it was almost like i was starting over you know and i also remember when i was i was so focused on nose and hovering for for quite some time because i, I it's they scared nose and hovering scared mm-hmm. but i was so focused and now it's like my absolute i that as just justin you mentioned and you saw when we were flying together at one of the fun flies that's like where i go to when i'm bailing out of something but I'm very comfortable with nose and hovering. But when I was forcing myself to, to get comfortable with it, I kind of neglected the other orientations. So all of a sudden I was less comfortable with those other orientations that I'd already, in my mind, nailed. So as you're progressing up through, don't yep. forget about those, those other things. And Jesse just mentioned something that, that we should also keep in mind is when, you're do, when you are learning these new maneuvers, orientations, wherever, whatever level you're at, you know, always have in the back of your mind a bailout kind of planned. Uh, everyone kind of comes up with their own, everyone's got their own little unique bailout that they do that they find comfortable. It's important yeah. that you have that in mind so you just can automatically go to it when something happens. Yeah, yeah that not should only... be second nature. It really should. That and throttle hold in a crash. Yeah, not only like a bailout to maybe potentially save the heli, but sometimes when you're learning those more advanced maneuvers and it really gets out of shape, 
you have to be willing for the safety of yourself and everyone behind you to drive the heli into the ground. Um, You have to be willing and have that plan in mind when you're doing these maneuvers because some of them can go downhill extremely, extremely fast. And you just, you really can't think about it. It's just got to be automatic. Yep. Absolutely. Be willing to do it. And we've seen, we've seen that at fun flies where pilots just don't even, don't even risk it. They're like, if, if it's going crazy, just, just pile drive it, drive it in. It's much easier to replace a heli (laughs) than injure somebody. You just don't want to be that guy. That's not something you want to have to deal with from any, any perspective. Well, dude, thanks for, for walking us through those maneuvers. I, I know that's, that's a question a lot of people have. When you, I don't know, it's tough to kind of give that advice because everybody's kind of at their own, they've got their own ideas. Yeah, everyone learns different. Yeah. Some moves click for some people while others struggle. Uh, but still, it's nice to have kind of a framework and it's always nice to listen to more advanced pilots kind of explain their process and you kind of take little bits and pieces or in some cases you take the full advice or sometimes you don't, you don't and you just kind of do what you got to do. But yep. uh, yep. it's, it's the perfect perfect timing for us to get thinking about these things because the weather's, mm. I don't know about you guys, and it's unseasonably warm here, but nonetheless, it kind of feels like it's breaking and, and um, kind of getting excited for the season. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Before we close out here, I wanted to touch on a real quick listener email that I got recently from a guy named Colton, and this is about head speed. So he says, hey, Justin, my name's Colton. I'm 16 and learned how to calculate gear ratio and head speed from your gearing tech tip, but I still have a couple of questions. Would blade length and in and or diameter cause a change in head speed? And what does changing the diameter of your blades do for your heli's performance? Thanks, Colton. I think these are really reasonable questions. They're 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 great questions. They make a lot of sense. Uh, and and so they're also pretty straightforward to answer and, and hopefully to understand. So in, in most cases, people run governors on their helis nowadays. That's that's the standard, whether it's electric or a nitro. Okay, and so when we increase our blade length, if we're governing to the same head speed, the head speed itself actually doesn't change. What changes is the amount of load on your motor or your nitro or gas engine to get that same head speed because now it's spinning either a larger or a smaller rotor disc. If you weren't running a governor and you're running a throttle curve, then changing the blades on the same throttle curve would cause your head speed to go up or down depending on whether the blades were larger, heavier, longer, or shorter and lighter. Uh, so that that's pretty straightforward. If you look at what changing the diameter of your blades does for your heli performance, we've talked about this in quite a bit of detail, actually, I, I think in the last couple of months. And the, the show I'm talking about is the the one that we discussed uh, disc loading on and the effect on performance there. And so, Colton, we've actually got a tech tip on disc loading, too, that touches on those concepts. But in a nutshell, if you're going to change the diameter of your head by increasing, let's say we're increasing blade length for the same setup, your disc loading goes down 
and that's going to tend to make your heli feel more floaty, okay? Like it hangs and maneuvers. Uh, if you shorten the blades, uh, it will be, it'll have a higher disc loading, disc loading being the amount of weight under the uh, area of your rotor disc, and a higher disc loading tends to give you a snappier, poppier feeling heli, not so floaty. Uh, it doesn't hang in maneuvers, but it can be thrown around quite a bit more quickly and, and flown tight, uh, people would say, or in a box. That's it in a nutshell. But again, check out the disc loading tech tip, and we talk about a bunch of this stuff in there. Yeah, thanks, Colton. Hopefully that helps. Send any other questions if you've got more. Let's talk about an RC Heli Nation fun fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are the dates on that, Justin? I think I heard June about that. June 26th through June 29th. Be Mark there. it on your calendar. Been getting quite a few emails. I'm actually kind of, uh, the response has been pretty nice. There's there's people planning on coming to this fun fly from oh, yeah. long ways away. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people are planning on flying in. We're gonna hopefully get most all the local people in the area there. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. You know, last year's was was an amazing time. We had such a good time, and I I just can't wait can't wait to make all that mm-hmm. chili. Oh yeah, gonna make the chili. I can't wait to eat a lot of that chili. <laughs> <laughs> so mark that on your calendars, guys. And as we get um, as we start to get. Closer to that, we'll we'll be telling you about some of the stuff that we've got planned and people that are going to be involved with the fun fly. Definitely mark that on your calendar and uh, plan to attend that. Don't forget to order your RC Alienation shirts. We've got the long sleeve shirts in stock, ready to go. The only sizes I don't have anymore are medium, small, and I think that's it. I think I got some of every size other than that. So go to our webpage. Click on the store link up top. You'll be able to see not only the shirts, but we've got hats as well. Those are always in stock. We order them yep. weekly as needed. And uh, we'll get those uh, sent out to you. Facebook's up to like 3,100. Dude, and- it's it's crazy <laughs> how quick that's growing. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you to all of our listeners out there that are spreading the word, uh, encouraging your friends to listen to the show. It, it, it means so much to us and... Um, the support is amazing, and, and uh, what can we say? But thank you for that support. Uh, also, too, we got the webpage. Uh, lots of tech tips. Uh, there, there's been some recent tech tips posted. Uh, if you got any questions there, you can definitely find some resources uh, to figure out what's going on. If you need any help with something particular, or if there's a te- tech tip that maybe you'd like one of the guys to tackle, be sure to send us an email. And uh, we'll take take that into consideration. Also, too, I'm pretty excited about this. Next week, we talked about the quiz that we're going to be doing. That will be happening next week. Got the questions ready to go finally. Oh. Um, so we're just going to kind of wing it our first time and see how it goes. And we might kind of change the process up a little bit. But it's not going to take a long time. It's just going to be a short little 10-question quiz. You're going to be able to pick who you want to go up against. We got a $50 gift certificate from ElitePerformance.com, ElitePerformanceRC.com down in Florida. 
and you're also going to get a hat just for participating. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of go in order of those who volunteered to step into the gauntlet on the webpage. If that's something you want to do, just send me an email. Uh, we'll definitely, uh, we're not, we're going to do these once a month. So, you know, it's not going to be a, a ongoing thing. I, I'm thinking we might do something real cool. Like um, at the end of the year, those winners who, those, those who won, if you win, uh, we might do something where we bring all those people back on and have like one really hard quiz show with an amazing prize, just like a championship round, yeah. so to speak. Nice. Nice. That's just a thought that I've been kind of tossing around. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, we're going to look into that. Come up with some really cool prize for something like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would send me an email to nick at rchelination.com. Jesse, if I wanted to get in touch with you. Definitely send me an email at jesse at rchelination.com. And Justin. You could send me an email at justin at rchelination.com. I am Dan. You can reach me at Dan K. Reed at RC. No, you can't. You can't reach me there. But you can reach me at dan at rchelination.com or on the forums at Dan K. Reed. Uh, one quick note, guys. I forgot to mention. I finally got my charging case finished. I'm golden. It's working. So nice. Just thought <laughs> nice. I'd bring that up. How do you like it? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so nice Seems to, to be fulfilling all of your uh, multi-rotor needs. Um, your fantasies. <laughs> actually, it's not really equipped to charge 4S batteries. I need to get a few more pieces for that to happen effectively. But it is charging the batteries. I just have hmm. to tear it apart a little bit to make that happen. Uh, anyway, that was just a little side note. Sweet. Guys, this has been episode 121. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We will see you next Monday. See you next week. Later, guys. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you in part by HeliPros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jen's Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.